And we are live. What's up, guys? Welcome to Fresh Fit Podcast, man. We're here with the legend himself, Dan Bilzerian, man. Let's get into it. Let's go. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the... Must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. So, Dan, yeah, welcome to the show, man. We're happy to have you here. Uh, it has been, it has been, man. Um, so we know who you are. I'm sure a bunch of people know who you are, but for those that may not be familiar with who you are, can you introduce yourself to the people? Um, shit. Usually somebody else does that. Um, <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, it's a long story. I guess, uh, started with the poker and then kind of like transitioned into fucking around doing like more party stuff and a little acting and then get away from that and now kind of wrote the book and just been chilling. Mm. So I think when people look on Instagram, you know, they see the, the Playboy with a, a bunch of girls, awesome pictures, lifestyle, private jets, you know, parties, all this stuff. But they might not know the man behind the photos. So I was going to kind of take it back. Uh, so can you tell us a, a little bit about your upbringing? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was kind of like, Rocky Road, you know, dad went to jail Yeah, and he had money, but didn't really like, spend money, but I was around it. Like my neighbors had it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, my dad had it, but he didn't spend it. You know, he was like the guy yeah. that had the really nice house, but drove Jeeps and wore shitty clothes, didn't have a nice watch. But then like my next door neighbor had the Lamborghini and the hot chicks, all basically all the shit that I wanted, my neighbor had, mm-hmm. you know, so I was exposed to it, but I didn't have it. And I think that probably, you know, shaped it a little bit. Um, Where'd you grow up? Tampa? In Tampa, Florida. So 
I read in your book uh, how when the FBI raided the house and it was like kind of like an overwhelming thing and then you went back to school and people were like making fun of you about it. What kind of impact so did that have on you? The FBI raiding now is when I was actually in the military. So my brother went through that. Okay. My grandmother was there and shit. But I wasn't there for that part. So my dad, like, he basically just, you know, took his fucking plane to jail and that was it. But I found out the day that he went. So he, he had an appeal, mm -hmm. like a year to figure out if he was actually going to go. Yeah. And he was like 100% sure he was going to win this appeal. Everybody else was fucking sure he was going to lose it. And uh, so I told all the kids, like, no, my dad's not going to jail because that's what he was saying. But in the newspapers, you know, says convicted, whatever. Um, and then, like, like I said, the day I'm driving to school that he has to go to jail, he, like, tells me five minutes before I go to school. So that was pretty yeah. shitty. I remember that. Um, and then I just, I got kicked out of a few schools. Like, I went to a lot of schools. It was, like, seven schools of being five years, something like that. Mm -hmm. What changed for you when that happened? Was it like a turning point where you like, you know what, this is unfair, like I'm mad at the world? What was it like? I was young, man. I was like 11. It was just like a traumatic thing, but I wouldn't say it changed me. Okay. Um, I think probably like the most pivotal moment was probably the military, mm. you know, because I was like when I was first on my own, kind of like you get a lot of like reality checks then. Got it. So um, I know like, uh, like kids were talking smack and picking on, did you get into any fights or be any kids asses for talking smack? Um, well, my first fight, I got my ass kicked. Uh, so like, <laughs> That's always the best one. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny, man. I knew I was going to get my ass kicked. I was like 155, the kid was 210. Oh, um, yikes. Yeah, and I just, I don't know. I just wanted to get it over with. And uh, he actually, like, kind of was willing to squash it. But I, it was, like, so hyped up that I was like, oh, fuck it. Like, I was, like, ready to do it. I just want to get it out of the way. And it was funny, man. Like, getting hit really doesn't hurt as much as you think it's going to hurt. Yeah. You know, you get like punched in the nose or like you get hit and you're not expecting your adrenaline's not going and it hurts. When you're in a fight, you don't really feel too much. So it's kind of like, I feel like it built some confidence even though I got my ass whipped, you know? Mm -hmm. It was like, yeah, it's just like nothing really to be scared of. I feel like kids nowadays don't even fucking get in fights anymore. It's not even like a yeah, yeah. thing. Well, you'll go to like prison now, like for life if you get in a fist fight. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I don't know. It's just a weird thing. Like, culture has changed. I guess everybody's, like, so worried. Everything's being caught. Like, when I was a kid, it was like, win some, you lose some, you get your ass kicked, not as big a deal. But now, I guess it's like it's on the fucking internet. It's yeah. there forever. You know, nobody wants to be a fucking meme. So. Yeah. No one wants to end up on a world star. They'll fight with words online and comments rather <laughs> yeah, than real life. So, uh, take us through the military, man, because you actually went through uh, SEAL training. Yeah. You take us, tell us about that. Shit, I mean, it's a lot. I mean, I basically, you know, it was one day before graduation. It rolled me all the way back to the beginning, did the whole fucking thing again. So I did the total mm -hmm. 510 days of SEAL training. So it was yeah. a lot. It was a lot of fucking training. Because um, you got injured and then... So yeah, the first time I got injured, um, I went through with stress fractures and I still made it through Hell Week. And then the second time, um, I was good, but I just uh, I got a safety violation. They rolled me all the way back, did the whole fucking thing, and they had me drop me. I didn't think admin dropping was a thing. I didn't think that was like a yeah. possible outcome. I was like, yeah, yeah, you quit or you like don't pass something, you know, whatever. But I didn't think they could just like kick you out because they didn't like you. So it was kind of a bit of an eye-opening experience. And it's funny, man. At the time, I thought it was like the worst, worst fucking thing ever happened. It was like, you know, I'd spent so much of my time doing this. I was so fucking close. I could taste it. It was like graduation was a day away. Right? Yeah. Wow. Literally the next day, my class graduated. And, uh, and so that was a hard pill to swallow, man. I was, I think that was like a monkey on my back for a while. Yeah. But at the same time, it kind of like motivated me. I think had I, you know, had that accolade, it might have like 
been a thing where I kind of hung my hat on it, you know. Mm-hmm. So, and then three quarters of my class died. I mean, it was, I think if I would have made it through, it would have been a fucking disaster. I would have missed the poker window. I probably wouldn't have got rich and it would have just been like a total trajectory change. What year did you go through? Um, I went in the military in 99 and I got out in 03. So I guess like 2000, 2002 or 2001 was when I spent the bulk of it. Okay. So did 9-11 happen at that point? Yeah, I was in training when 9-11 happened. Oh, damn. I'll never forget it because like there was all the TV screens in the mess hall and we were just eating, I think it was breakfast at the time. And you could see it, but you couldn't hear anything. Yeah. There wasn't like any... Uh, like audio or text or anything, so there's no context. You just see planes crashing in the fucking world, and it was. Just, and I remember the base, just like shit got crazy. Like people were fucking rolling around, like full combat loadouts, like Humvees with fucking machine gun turrets, snipers on the rooftop. Like it was just like when the threat con Delta, so they're like checking everything. It was yep. like basically like imminent, like terrorist threat. Yeah. Like threat con Delta is like the highest threat condition you can be. In. So it was like. We didn't know what was going on. We were just like, oh, shit, like, fucking, you know. It was pandemonium back then, I remember. Because it's like, because they didn't know what what else was going to happen. The Pentagon was getting hit. Yeah, we, buildings were getting hit. No one yeah, knew. exactly. And, and San Diego is like, I think we have nine military bases. So it's like yep. prime, prime. And it's the hub for the, you know, Pacific Fleet, right? So that was like, that was probably the one, number one or number two target. Or something. Absolutely. So, it was, you know, it was definitely a bit of a big deal, but... We still fucking kept training. I was like crazy. Yeah. Um, how long did it take you to recover after you didn't get put on the uh, make it make it through the SEAL training? Like mentally? Yeah, Me- mentally. Well, physically, we know that's gonna mess you up, but yeah, yeah mentally. I mean, I, yes. It was interesting, man. It was like I had done so much, and for me, it was a like for me, it was mostly like to say that I did it. Like I really wanted to just like prove that I did it. Mm-hmm. And so there's like a part of me that was like, well, fuck, I proved that I did it. And I did 510 days, I did two hell weeks, two winter hell weeks. I was one day before graduation, like I did all of the training twice. So I guess like for me, part of me was kind of like burnout out on it. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I had done it. So I don't know, I, 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 was, I was bummed out, but I wasn't as like pissed off as I probably should have been. You know, it's like one of those things where you've just been doing it for so fucking long. You're just kind of like, fuck, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I had no real recourse. Like, you know, I couldn't appeal it or anything. But it would have been a great feat to, like, finish and accomplish all the way. Yeah. Well, I literally <laughs> had to show up and graduate. That was all I had left. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it would have been nice to get the fucking, you know, credit for what I did. Um, but, yeah. You know. The fact that they had to give you the admin, you know, boot, that's how you know it's like, you know. Did, did your did one of your uh, – one of the um, – Superiors? Yeah, one of the superiors like not like you or something, yeah. or what was his issue? Well, I, I don't think my attitude was probably the best. Like, mm-hmm. So the first time I went through, I had stress fractures. I was 18. I'd never run more than two miles in my life. Mm-hmm. So it was, you know, one of those things where I was just, everything was fucking shitty. Mm-hmm. Like if, you, if you're capable of running 10 miles, you go out on a five-mile condition run, it's not that big a deal. But if yep. you never ran more than two miles, and you're already fucking tired, and you have stress fractures, you know what I'm saying? And you've been through it before. Yeah. Yeah. Well, none of this. It's the first time. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so first time. I was stress fractures. I'm fucked up. Like, and I'm waking up at 3 a.m. Not getting much sleep. You know, so I'm just like the worst of the worst conditions. And I did it. Then it's like the second time I come back and I'm on fucking steroids. 
and I'm fucking healed up. Mm -hmm. No stress fractures. I've already done it. I'm two years older. I'm stronger. I've been fucking working out and training. It was like, I was like, oh, fuck. There's nothing going to stop me. So I guess I was like probably a little bit. Cocky? Too, yeah, maybe a little bit too cocky about it. And also, um, I don't know. My attitude was just like, fuck, I've already done this shit. Now I just want to graduate, you know? Mm -hmm. And... Like I said, I just I didn't think that they could kick me out. I thought like Damn. Okay, I just pass all my shit, and they they would fucking beat my like I would get beatings and shit because you know whatever. But I didn't give a fuck because I was actually gonna go weightlift after fucking training anyways. It was so out of my mind. Yeah, that like to me it just was totally irrelevant. You want me to do more push-ups? I don't give a fuck. You want me to go get wet? Say I don't care. Like none of it bothered me at all. Not even the fucking least. And so I think that part also yeah. irritated them a little bit because you know when you're like hazing somebody. If you don't get the reaction, it's not nearly as... That's fun. Probably, yeah. Yeah. You know, and so, like, they would want to punish me, but I truly didn't care about... How old were you when you, when you went through? So, first time I was 18. Well, no, I, was, I guess I turned 19 in training. Okay. 19. Because um, I think I had Hell Week... I want to say it was right before, right after my birthday. Um, okay. So, it was, like, December 7th. I mean, that's my birthday. So, I, I turned 19 in training the first time. Um, and the second time I was like 20 or 21 mm -hmm. and man, like a year in the military would give you a lot of maturity, especially yeah. like, yeah. you know, I was doing physical security and then I went to Okinawa. So it's like, and I had like, I want to say six or seven months in between where I, you know, between the time, I don't know, maybe even a year. It was, it was, a, it was a decent amount of time where I was like training, getting in good shape. I knew what to expect because this is before the fucking internet, dude. Like nobody yeah. had a clear view of exactly what Bud's training is. Like, now you go watch it on yeah. YouTube. Right. You literally can see exactly what they're wearing, what they're doing, what the training is like from fucking start to finish. We had no clue. I didn't know what we were going to wear. I didn't know what kind of swim we were doing. Like, I, I practiced swimming for six months freestyle. I learned this whole stroke that I never used one time in Bud's. Damn. It's all side stroke with fans. It's like, you know what I mean? So I had no clue. That's how, like, clueless I was. Um, these young people don't understand like the power of the internet nowadays no. and how much of an advantage it'll give you for Huge. stuff like that, whether it's government service, the military, whatever it may be, like you really get a preparation with the internet. Yeah, well even the fucking steroids. Like I didn't know yeah. where I'm shooting this shit. Opening and slap my ass and just like jamming this huge harpoon needle. Uh, <laughs> it was like I said, it was like you had a book, maybe, mm -hmm. and uh, and there, yeah, just no access to information. So kids nowadays, they just grow up so much faster with so much information, and it's just a totally different ballgame. Yeah. So you get out the military. Um, you're what, 22, 23 now at this point, right? Four years yeah, in? Yeah, I got out in 03, so I was 22. Okay. So you get out. What'd you do at that point once you got out the what military? Okay. So I did like a summer at University uh, of Florida. Yeah, it is summer. Seminoles, right? From them, no, 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 yeah, no. Gators. My bad. That's, so I did that's a summer um, at USF, the one in uh, in Tampa. My okay. Was like in a fraternity. He was a Pike, so I got to pledge there and kind of like go through that whole thing. So when yep. I went to UF, I was like already, you know, in a fraternity. I was 22 years old. I had money from the you know from the GI Bill. All that yep. Thing. Yep. So I was just good, man. I, and you could buy booze. <laughs> seen her for four years yeah it was just such a man it was such a crazy difference i tell people all the time like don't go to college straight out of high school just because 
like you're 18, like no girls want to fuck you, no guys want to hang out with you, like you got no experience, you don't know what you want to do. Yeah. Plus, you're like you want to party, and there's all these consequences for doing it. And not that you shouldn't party in college, but like if you fuck up and your grades suffer or whatever, that's gonna live with you, right? But if you go out and you're in the military and you fuck around, you you get thrown in the brig or you know what I mean, whatever. It's like that doesn't live with you. You don't get a grade when you leave the military. Yeah. It's like you're just a veteran. And you learn, and you get like the GI Bill, you get like life experience, you yeah. become like a man. That yeah. you basically become a more attractive dude in general. So when you go to college, you're able to like run laps around these other guys. Yeah, no, hundred percent. So I was like, man, I fucked fourteen girls or thirteen or fourteen girls my first semester, and that was like more than I think I'd fucked my whole life before that. Maybe. Yeah. So, was it how was it talking to girls back then? You would say, well, I had this thing in high school where I would just like I got nervous like talking to hot chicks, so I would just force myself to go up to every single girl and just talk to them. Well, it wasn't necessarily like hitting on them; just having a conversation with them. And then you know, sometimes it was hitting on them, sometimes it wasn't, whatever. But like, and you would get rejected, and then eventually you just wouldn't give a shit. It was, and I had learned this from a friend of mine because he would go up to all these girls. I'm like, man, I can't believe this guy's just like going up to all these girls. They reject him and he wouldn't give a fuck and he'd just keep doing it and the dude you know ended up getting laid a lot he got rejected a ton too but at the end of the day like you know the, the good looking guy that goes up to two girls and you know fucks two girls is still fucking less girls than my buddy that goes up to 50 and fucks three yeah you know? so it's like, i think seeing somebody do it and get rejected so many times you're like you know what if he can do it i can do it as well so that's powerful. Yeah, it's like less hyped up yeah you know i think like when there's all this like pressure put on it your friends are watching or whatever you know it's just like <laughs> Yeah, I think that's a big mistake that, that guys, well, guys just don't talk to girls in general. Now. They do. That's their biggest mistake. But the second biggest mistake would be like going up there with like a specific purpose, like, oh, I got to hit on this girl and I got to get her number and whatever, instead of just going up and having a conversation about. Enjoy it. So at this point, were you like reading um, any of like the books as far as like game books, you know, like the mystery method or whatever? Because in the early 2000s, this is like kind of when the PUA stuff started like yeah. picking up. So were you like we're a student talking, of any of that stuff? We were talking about that on the phone today. Uh, the game, that's the only book that I read was the game. Wait, okay. No, no straws? Yeah. And, but that was, you know, that was kind of like an eye opener a little bit to. Did you read it before or after college? I think I read it in college. In college. Okay. All right. I think I read it. Fuck. I don't remember when it came out. I want to say I read it in like. Oh, five. Okay. That was like a big eye opener for me because it was just like concepts that I had never thought about. Yeah. You know, like to me, it was like the, you know, the move was just to go up. Oh my God, I think you're beautiful. Can I buy you a drink? You know, yeah. it's like this bullshit they tell you in Hollywood, but it's like, that's actually the worst possible thing that you could do. Absolutely. You're getting a ton of interest. You're doing exactly what all these other fucking idiots did. The same. And you know, and you're also just like putting yourself beneath her. You're like, Offering to do something for you know, it's like playing poker and showing your fucking hand. Yeah, right. It's like if if you flip over your fucking hand, which is what you're doing, then it allows her to then you know react to that and decide whether or not you're good enough for her. Right. So the moment you hit on her, it's like all of a sudden in her mind, it's like, okay, is this guy good enough? Do I want this guy? Because he's clearly interested, right? But if you just go up to her and talk to her, then she might be wondering like, does this guy like me? Like whatever, you know, like what you know, all this shit. But it's just a different conversation than if you just go up and immediately communicate interest and like i said just like your poker is flipping over your fucking hand so you mentioned earlier that guys should um you know don't go into college right away um and you went in after the military and you got 14 girls your first semester which is pretty damn good for a guy that you know didn't necessarily study it or whatever right before and and okay okay so whales so for the young guys out there i want to know what did the military army with that gave you an advantage over the other guys that you were competing with on campus to get those same girls? 
I mean, fuck, man, you're four years older. It's not even close. It's like, I mean, they had, I think it was in this book, Outliers, but basically the people, they looked at a bunch of these basketball players and a bunch of them were born in January. And it was like, what's the correlation between all these people that were born in January being in the NBA? And it was because they basically almost had a full year of growth over the people that were born in like December, November, whatever. And so they're like a year physically more mature. And so they got more playing time. They were like more likely to be starters. And because they're more likely to be starters, they're more likely to get more coaching. Mm. Because they're more likely to get more coaching and start, they play more fucking basketball games. The more basketball games they played, the better they became. You know what I'm saying? It was like this whole snowball effect. The other people just like couldn't catch up. Uh-huh. Right? So that's like a similar thing in, in college, right? If you're going in there and you're four years older, then you're going to have four more years of fucking experience. You're going to be in better shape. I mean, it's, you know, everybody knows guys mature slower. Yeah, you're not at your fucking peak at 18. Um, so, you know, women are more at their peak at 18 than they are probably at 22. I mean, assuming they don't take care of themselves and they party too much, right? They always gain the freshman 15, all this stuff. So, like, it's actually like flip flops. So the girls are the hot commodity as freshmen, and the men are the hot commodity as seniors. So it's like for me, I just had four years of being a fucking senior. Yeah, and girls like mature guys, older guys. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. And then not only that, I mean, life experience, being in the military in general, not being a pussy, like all these like d- discipline, being in better shape probably than all of your peers. And on top of that, you were in a fraternity as well. Yeah. Which was a huge advantage yeah, in, in college. That was kind of like where like my eyes opened to the setup, you know, which was basically like we would have these parties and we'd have all these fucking sororities come. And so now you've got 17 sororities or 15 or whatever the fuck it was in your fraternity. And so there's like 10 girls for every guy. And it's like, I would see guys that, you know, like I said in the book, that wouldn't be fucking, you know, able yep. to ever get pussy in San Diego. And they could be just like drooling, half fucking pass out and having a threesome by the end of the night at the fucking frat party because these girls, you know, they had to fight to get laid. Yeah. The more drunk they got, the more they wanted to fucking bang a guy. And, mm-hmm. you know, this was before like, you know, you weren't supposed to have sex with drunk girls, which to me also is, by the way, the craziest fucking thing ever. Yeah. Like, just think about this. Like, when you're drunk, you're responsible for your fucking casino losses. You're responsible if you go and fucking plow into somebody's fucking car and yep. kill somebody. You're responsible if you get into a fight. You're responsible for literally every single fucking action that you do when you're drunk. Yep. Other than fuck somebody. Yeah. What's the, the one thing that doesn't hurt anybody? Like, what sense is that? Yeah. Like, think about it. Like, you go beat the shit out of somebody, you get into a fight. Like, things that you wouldn't have done ever if you weren't drunk. You don't get to blame alcohol as a scapegoat. No. Like, you are fucking responsible. You have those drinks. Now, the, the exception is obviously like if somebody fucking drugs a girl or whatever. Yeah, obviously that absolutely. But like if the girl drinks by her own fucking cord and gets shit-faced and goes and fucks a guy who's also shit-faced, why on fucking earth is that the guy's fault? Like, You, you know, it's funny because we did a whole uh, podcast with Rolo Tomasi about this, about like rape culture being a myth. And one of the things like they say, oh, one in five women is, you know, a victim of sexual assault on a college campus, blah, blah, blah. But when you look at the actual studies that that came from, what they found was when they, they basically called students and asked them, hey, did you ever drink and hook up with someone? Yeah, I did. They constituted that as sexual assault. Literally. If, if so both big. of them drank. So it's like ridiculous how it's like on only one party is at fault for that, but they don't hold the woman accountable as well. It's like technically how both sexually assaulted each other, but they only blame the guy. No, it's crazy. Yeah. I, and, and I'm like one of the few guys I think that's actually been fucking raped. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Damn. I actually put it in my book yeah. um, and took it out. But yeah, man, I was fucked up on G and I took these two girls down to my room and they went in and I was like, gonna smoke weed with them. But I was like, I was like, ah, I'm probably too fucked up. Like go in there. And I had this whole like room just full of fucking glass rigs and shit. 
I was like, yeah, yeah, go in there, smoke, I'll be here. I just laid down on the bed and just immediately fucking passed out. Yep. And I wake up with no recollection of like where I am, anything, and this chick is on top of me, riding me. <laughs> so like, you know, my first thought was like, is she hot? So I'm like, yes. I'm like looking up, I'm like, where am I? <laughs> and then I was like, where am I? Like, what day is it? Like, what? Like, I was so, I've never been more confused in my fucking life. And then thought I was like, okay, keep your dick hard. Wait, why am I not wearing a condom? It was like this whole <laughs> fucked up thought process. But it wasn't until later that I like looked at the security footage and realized like what had happened. Because at the time I just like wake up in the middle of this and it's like, okay, like fucking hot chick, like I don't know where I am. I'm trying to figure that out. I'm trying to like also fuck her good. And, you know, it's like all these things going through my mind. And then 30 minutes later, I'm like taking a shower. And I like sit there and I'm like, oh, you, you know, I, I don't even know. He was like, oh, you raped me. And she's like, yeah. Uh. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. funny, huh? Yeah. And, like, and it's interesting guy. because like we're having this conversation and laughing about it, whatever. But like if it was the it other reversed. way around, it'd be a problem. It'd be yeah. a huge problem. And it should be. I, yeah. I, you know, yeah. It should be. Understandably you know, but, so. Like, it, it's just funny, but there it definitely is a double standard. So I watched the yeah. footage and like they come out of my classroom. I'm literally snoring. You can hear me on the fucking like on the audio. It's like audio too. I did video cameras in all my rooms and audio. Um, and uh, and anyways, I'm, I'm fucking literally snoring. And the chick starts sucking my dick, and her friends like sitting there like, you know, like oh my god, like you know, I can't believe this is happening, whatever. And then the chick like is like fucking gets on top of me and starts like fucking me, and her friend is like dying loud, like I can't believe that you're doing this, whatever. And she like watches for a little bit, and then she leaves, and like I don't know. 10 seconds later I wake up or whatever it was and I was like oh my god like legitimately but if, if the chick was ugly I think I would have probably pressed charges <laughs> <laughs> but you're lucky which is fucked up you know and this is actually something I was talking about with my friend the other day mm -hmm. you know all this like inclusivity bullshit and everything we're being fucking pushed on like people don't actually care about inclusivity because if they fucking did they would include ugly people because yeah. ugly people get discriminated against more than fucking anybody. I don't yeah. give a shit what race, religion, whatever. There's nobody on earth that gets more discriminated against than ugly people. Yeah. Because and you'll see it when you talk to girls, and they will just, they will they will talk about like somebody that came up and hit it on, them. and the only difference between the creepy guy and the guy that just like hit on him or whatever is if the guy's ugly or not. Thank you. Literally the only Absolutely. They can say the same thing to the girl, and one guy, oh, you're just stop kidding around. You're At, weird. The next guy, up. Oh, grape or i'm gonna report you to hr it's no, like it's so it's so crazy but you know it's like funny because you know being fat is like the one thing you can do something about it. you can go fucking work out you just yep. eat less fucking food right yeah and uh and so it's like you know but they they need to be included but then the ugly people who have no fucking choice it's not their fault right like late like fat can be lazy it can be not working out it can be undisciplined with the fucking diet it can be a million fucking things right yeah and there's all these fixes for it, and they're all pretty much just like fucking discipline, and it's all going to make you healthier because being obese is like the number one fucking cause of like heart disease and all these other fucking problems. Right? Diabetes, all of it. Yeah, but like that's encouraged. You know, we want to include these lazy people, <laughs> but then the people that were just like born ugly, like fuck those motherfuckers. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can't fix hundred percent, man. But you're lucky because, like, for example, you, you might have been draped, bro, like by that girl. You know what I mean? With the whole condom stuff. What is it? Like, remember the girl went on top of you, right? And, like, yeah. she just rode you, whatever. What if you, like, bust inside of her? Oh, I had yeah, a kid no, with you, bro. Thing, like, I want a condom every time for, like, three years. Yeah. And so that was another thing in my thought process. Like, why am I not wearing a condom? Oh, like, <laughs> That's crazy, that? bro. Smells <laughs> good at least. <laughs> so I was like, all these crazy things. I'm actually surprised I can even fuck this girl with all these crazy thoughts going through my head. And I remember those distinctly. 
I don't remember like you know a lot of the other shit, but I remember distinctly like the thought train that like went through my head, which was like <laughs> really crazy. Like, oh, is this girl hot? Like, where am I? And it was like in this order, you know. And then it's like, why am I not wearing a condom? Oh, but her pussy smells okay. <laughs> yeah, good to go. Good to go. Uh, so, so you kill it in college. You graduate from college. What year did you graduate? Well, I don't, I don't know, like, killed it. So my, I mean, with the girls. I mean, with the girls. Well, so, like, my first year was really good, and then I got into gambling, and then things, like, started actually kind of going downhill. I went broke my sophomore year. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, doing sh- like, I had a 4.0 GPA. Like, everything was good. And then I got into gambling, and it just, like, kind of, like, derailed my fucking life. Can you talk about that a little bit, and then your rise and making all the money that you made gambling? Yeah, I mean, it was just, like, a shitty time. Like, I literally went broke in college. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to pawn three of my guns when my car was, like, I had to take out loans in the car. Like, I was, like, Broke, bro. Yeah. And yeah, from like having a car paid off, having all this fucking money to like go from that to like being busto. So you lost all your GI bill money, everything. Well, I still have it coming in monthly, but I had like, I had to take out a loan in my car. You know what I'm saying? Like I owed some people money. You know, it's just like, I was. You had a lot of of debt. Yeah. And and then like my parents were like, no fucking chance. We're not helping you. My brother's like. How deep in the hole were you? Not that deep, like not unrecoverably deep, but just like to where I had like no real like liquid capital. Like yeah. I exhausted all my like ability. Like I, I had to sell three of my guns. That was like a distinct like. What were they? Locks? No, Six? I mean, like I sold the shitty ones, like a 357 Magnum. Okay. They don't really like wheel guns. Yeah. I think it was a shotgun. And there was like one other, a nine millimeter Beretta, I think was it. Ah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Those guns, guns suck. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Like, You're good then. Guns, <laughs> yeah. So like, you know, I was like, literally like, met up with somebody in a fucking parking lot. You just be Craigslist? Yeah. 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 We're, we're, we're in Miami. So yeah. Yeah. Like, whatever. But now you got to go to a gun store. You got to have a background check. Yeah. Probably, FFL, yeah. all this crap. Yeah. Like, You're going to do it for like having a new gun. Like it's kind of stupid and not. Yeah. Know. But whatever. Anyway, so I can go through that shit. And then I was like literally on this gambling boat playing like a five hundred dollar fucking buy in game, staying at like a shitty hotel. In, in Miami or like where were you at? No, this was in St. Pete. Okay. So the gambling boat was like, I don't know, five miles offshore, whatever, like put it in international waters. So you take a boat to the gambling boat mm. and then I'd play poker for like sixteen hours, eating the shitty food, go back to the hotel, the shitty ass hotel, crash in there. As soon as I woke up, back to the boat. And I did that for like I don't know, man, like five or seven days, like pretty much a week. Mm-hmm. And I made 10 grand and I bought a one-way ticket to Vegas with this other like Asian kid that I was playing with. Yeah. It was like just fucking, you know, it was like robbers. Was, yeah. Like, take a shot. And um, yeah, I like, lived at Bellagio for three weeks, man. I won 187000 and it was just like. Holy wow. shit. Wow. It was like, it was a turning point in my life. And I was like. How old were you at this point? This is 05, so I was 24. Okay. So you're 24, just made 187K at the, at the Bellagio. Bellagio. Yeah, so I had like... You, you know, did it playing I poker? Like, yeah, yeah, all poker. poker. Okay, all poker. All right. Yeah, all live poker. And so it was... Um, yeah, so I like came back with literally like a briefcase, 187,000 in cash. And I was just like... What'd you do with that money? I felt like a man. I was like, I felt like a drug dealer. And back then, <laughs> inflation is a bitch. That was probably like maybe quarter million, 300K today. That's a lot. Yeah, definitely yeah. worth probably at least double. But yeah. Yeah, I remember... What'd you buy? I bought a Range Rover, a used Range Rover. So I like paid off my Beamer, traded that in. I got a used Range Rover, it was like 40 grand or something. Okay. Okay. Sport? No, it was a, it was a regular one. Okay. Yeah, and I, was, I remember it was like, it had the hydraulic suspension, so I could like park it on like the, the stairs. And go Steep, yeah. Like, yeah. 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 So then, then what'd, you, what'd you do after that? Um, then I was like playing online a little bit, but I had more discipline and my account was like, 
everybody had it flagged like this guy's fucking crazy. I'd play on the drunk or on GHB or fucked up and I'd play like Because the internet's a thing now at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was in college. So internet came around I think like oh one. Maybe like I think while I was in the military. Yeah. But by the time I got it in college it was, you know, it was a thing. Like online poker was a thing. Yeah. Um and so yeah, I was just, you know, just fucking playing that and then there was like some local games I was playing. And then I would pop out to Vegas for weekends and then pop it down to the Bahamas. And it's like, now I have like more of a bankroll. And I was playing, like I said, more discipline. And people would have those tags, like guy plays crazy, like call this motherfucker. You know, because you could like write in whatever yeah. you want. Like, Leave a review. Yeah. yeah. So I was, you know, I was just known for playing crazy. The thing about back then is there was two types of people. There's the recreational players and there was the pros. And all pros played super tight. It's like they didn't bluff. They were like always showing down like big hands. Like they didn't fuck around. They just like very patient playing like eight tables, nine tables, like only playing premium hands. So like their, what they could show up with in a hand was like very limited and very capped, right? Like in a, in a raised pot, they probably weren't gonna show up with a fucking six or a seven. So the board was like paired or was like, you know, possible low straight. Like they just like were probably never gonna have it. You know, there was just like things that they would do or they wouldn't re-raise those hands, shit like that. So like they would cap the ranges. Um, and I was just playing, like I said, very aggressively, and that was not really, it's a thing actually now, that's the correct style. But I hadn't like figured it out back then. So I was like playing aggressively, so I'd have these big swings. But when I developed self-control, then I was like capable of having these big wins, and I would kind of like, you know, fucking limit my losses more. And when you could play tight and get paid off on big hands, that's actually the lowest variance style of poker. Mm. It's like, okay, I'm gonna wait for a big hand, I'm gonna put my fucking money in. Like, when you're bluffing, like some guy can just be like, you know what, fuck it, I don't believe this guy, or I'm just not gonna fold and just call you and then you lose, you know? Whereas when you wait for a good hand, you just fucking bet the money and get paid off, that's very low variance. You just fucking collect the money and if they don't call, we still win the pot, you know what I'm saying? So when I was able to kind of like tighten up and just play like that, but still have the image and people knowing that I was capable of putting my fucking stack into nothing, then I was able to like, you know, get paid off. That, it translated into the private games too, and and then the casino games, whatever. Like I had a reputation for playing pretty crazy, and I would come in there and I'd raise a lot, I'd raise a lot more hands than a normal pro ever would. Mm. And I had this background of like my people knew that my parents had money and shit, so they're like, oh, you know, this fucking rich maniac. And I would just get crazy action, so I'd get mm. games, so I'd get paid off at spots where like I wasn't supposed to get paid off in. I would like value bet my hands like a lot thinner. And so, yeah, I just, man. I, you had a bunch of, like, variables, that, like, in your favor. Like, um, people didn't think about back then. Like, yeah. Like, people didn't really consider table image that much. Like, people weren't, you know, not that I was, like, doing fucking range distributions and shit back then. But, like, I'm saying people didn't have that in their mentality. So, the like, game was a lot different. It was a lot easier to exploit. Less structured. What's that? Less structured to, to yeah, deal like, with. And everybody just wasn't as good. There was no, like, right way. Like, now there's, like, a fucking exact correct answer for every spot. Back then there wasn't. Yeah. What's the most you ever won in one um, of those games? And Well, in the casino games, it was different. In the private games, 12.8 million in one night. Shreggy? Oh, shit, man. What's up? So, Damn. Yeah, so, that, so that, that's interesting. So you had an un unorthodox way of playing. 7, I think it was. It was 10, 8, and 12 sevens. Yeah. So you had an unorthodox way of playing. You played very aggressively. People weren't used to it. You were, you know, playing online while also going to Vegas. That was a um, big thing. Like just doing that alone. Yeah. I would see, you know, like just to give an example, you see, say, say, twenty hands an hour on a regular table. You play ten hours, two hundred hands. Yeah. If you're playing online, you're playing ten hands or ten tables, and you're seeing probably a hundred hands an hour. So you know, play ten hours, you're seeing ten thousand fucking hands. 
how many days, full days you have to play in the casino, 200 fucking hands every mm. 10 hours to see 10,000 motherfucking hands. So, you know, being that there wasn't like an established right way to play back then, mm. having that volume, like you would see patterns. You're just getting reps, reps, reps. Yeah, you see patterns, right? Like in a, in a live game, like there would be so much variance and like there's such a small sample size you don't really get punished you could get lucky in spots and just think that you did the right thing but really you just got lucky yeah you get totally fucking saved whereas online with that volume you start to like see you start making the same mistakes multiple times you start seeing them in the same session versus seeing fucking 200 hands a night you're not going to see the same mistakes in a single session you might not see the same mistakes in a, in a fucking month you yeah know what i mean so it's like yeah, just condensed ball. So this is something interesting because this is, you know, you, you got a bunch of haters on you. Like, oh, he's not even that good at poker. I don't know how you made all this money, blah, blah, blah. And I'm really happy that we're like kind of hashing this out here because people don't understand, right? Because I'm 33. I'm a little, little younger than you. But I do remember what the internet was like. And, you know, you go back to like 04, 05. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped. The scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. People weren't using the internet, let alone using it to play poker for money. So you had an edge there where you were young enough to like, okay, this is kind of something new. I'm going to play here, get reps in. And then you're young, so they're going to underestimate you when you go to play in real life. And they assume, okay, he's a rich kid. He has money. He doesn't know what he's doing. Let's go ahead and try to take him. And next thing you know, you're smacking the crap at him. And you have an unorthodox way of playing. So it's like, it's almost like the perfect storm from what you're describing. No, 100%. And that's why I say if I graduated SEAL training, I would have missed that window. This was like, mm. let me make it one World Series. Over 25 bucks, a guy made like a million dollars. He's some fucking idiot with, you know, sunglasses with the fucking croquis on there, drinking a beer at the table. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. a fucking average Joe. And uh, people see this guy and they're like, fuck, well, if he could do it, I could do it. Um, you know what, dude? Now that you mention that, like when I was in high school, poker was all over ESPN, man. Yeah, like was, like back in 04, 05, 06. It was like celebrities were playing, you know, then all of a sudden they started publicizing the, you know, World Series of Poker. And it was a big thing, man. Like everybody wanted to get in it. And so you have to understand, like, this was at a time when nobody really knew how to play right. And you have all this influx of traffic of all these fucking new players wanting to play. Online had just started. You know, there's no real training programs. So, you know, the best you could hope for is like Doyle Brunson's super system. Yeah. Yes. It's like you read a book of some fucking old time guy that, you know, made fucking most of his money probably like, you know, with, with a fucking friend, like, you know, marking cards and shit or whatever. You know, like back then, those like cheating was a lot more like socially acceptable yeah. part of the game. Um, but yeah, man, it was just a very different time. And so because of that, because I had the table image and the backstory and whatever, I was able to get into these crazy games. And it wasn't that I was, I mean, I was actually at the time, like if you ask people back then, like I was actually pretty good for back then. I wasn't like the best, mm -hmm. but I was pretty good. Like now I wouldn't be fucking like nearly as good as these kids that are like studying the fucking solvers and the tables. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's evolved a lot, right? 
But back then, I was definitely one of the best players, and I was also playing against some of the worst players. So it's like you you combine like you know even a, just a decent player playing against like guys that don't know. Like I remember, I literally won a hand. It was like for five or six hundred thousand dollars with a fucking casino like floor guy. I had to go out to the gift shop and get a fucking card which showed like poker hand rankings to tell this guy that my full house beat his flush. <laughs> like literally, like wow. we were arguing at the table. This guy did like legitimately didn't believe that a fucking full house beat a flush. Like it was craziness. That's what I'm saying. Like that would never fucking happen today, ever. Not even like the one three game. And so, yeah, it was just like, it was a crazy time. And then I was playing on a site called Bodog where they had a sports book attached to it. So people go, you know, they go win a bunch of money in sports and then wander into the poker room and fucking dust off a bunch of money. So yeah. It was, you know, fucking, you know, great. You time. know, it's funny. Not it's, It wasn't until we had this conversation now that I'm like really like thinking like back then I remember being in high school and always seeing poker on ESPN thinking like, what the hell is this? But now it makes sense because like, yeah, it started to get super popular. People were playing and that's what you mean when you say the golden era. People were making a lot of money back then. Yeah. And I could only imagine, right, like these OGs, right? They're like, oh, I'm an old school poker guy. I'm not going to go and play online. I'm going to just do it in real life. <laughs> but, you know, they miss experience. They miss reps. Someone like you comes in and is like, oh, no, I'm going to play online. I'm going to pl also play in person and then use it to your advantage and you smack them. Yeah, no, the online kids came in and started smacking the old school guys for sure. I think there's a lesson here, too, because, for example, your failure, your letdowns itself kind of like made you say, you know what? Damn, I failed in this area of life. However, it prepared you for what's coming next. So those letdowns kind of. Dude, I always say this, man, like your failures are your best fuel. Yeah. Like, if you just succeed, like, if you're just, like, the good-looking fucking quarterback in high school, that like, everything fucking came easy, like, a lot of the times those guys, like, pumping gas 10 years down the line. You know what I mean? Like, it's the people that have, like, hardships that, that work through those fucking hard times, that mm -hmm. learn from those hard times, that learn from, like, all their fucking, you know, stack of failures that have, like, the fortitude to fucking stick it out to success a lot of times, you know? Because, yeah. like, success doesn't always usually come without some fucking failures along the way. And it's just the difference between, you know, somebody that, you know, becomes successful and somebody that fails, a lot of times it's persistence, like just willing to continue to fucking fail and keep fucking going and get up and do it again and do it again. I mean, like boxers. I mean, I'm sure those guys get their asses kicked a ton of times before they go undefeated for fucking 20 fights. You know, I'm sure like Mike Tyson got his ass kicked a bunch of times in the beginning. Same with Floyd, you know, like if they just quit the first time they fucking lost, they probably would never fucking make it, you know? It's like that with anything, you know? And especially with poker. Poker's a fucking brutal one, man. Poker's one that, like, you can do everything perfectly. This is why I, like, never recommend this job to anybody. You can do everything perfectly and fucking go into work, bust your ass, and just lose money. Like, most jobs, like, if you fucking have a shitty week or whatever, like, you still get your fucking salary. Yeah. You might not get your commission, whatever. But, like, you don't, usually don't go fucking into work and lose millions of dollars. You know what I mean? Like, unless you're a trader... Those are the only guys that probably understand like the difficulty of being a poker player because like managing your money when like your money is part of your fucking bankroll, right? Like that's not only is it what you're living on, but it's what you're like using to produce new income. So it's kind of like, and then try like having respect for money when you're playing fucking ten thousand, twenty five thousand dollar blinds. The blind is twenty five grand. The opening raise a hundred thousand or seventy five thousand. You know what I mean? Like wow, you're opening just to see a flop, just to see the first three cards. You got to put a ranger over in the center. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just. You know, it's hard to like value money. I mean, if I tip a dealer three hundred thousand, you know, like it's hard to like have appreciation for appreciation for money, value for money. It's hard to like put things in normal terms when you're gambling for millions of dollars. It's like it's hard for that not to jade you and fuck you up. Not to mention if you lose at the big stage and you lose a lot, 
then to have to like go down to lower stakes and then play that's like something that almost nobody can fucking do mm. and you know that's a good point a, you know it's a rough living man some guys just like never bump it up in stakes they never want to take the shot and so they're never successful and then you have the flip side of that which is the guys that you know take all the shots but you know are just inevitably going to go broke that's the uh, if you have one, <laughs> twenty minutes like the dumb and dumber. No, I mean, it's it's uh, it's just interesting how it's, to be a good poker player, it's almost like a counter. You have to have like a counterintuitive mindset where it's like, okay, I can't respect the money too much because I need to be able to risk it to make more money. But at the same time, I got to have some semblance of what I have, respect the money to a degree, so I don't gamble it all away at the same time. It's like a very delicate balance and mental too no it is a balance yeah you have to care about the money to the sense where you're not going to just like dust it exactly off. you can't care about it too much because then you're going to show information it's like yeah this very like strange balance and then it also like forces you to meet your emotions which i think is one of the reasons why it's like hard for me to be happy now because for like 14 years i hadn't just like you know mute like crazy emotions like when you're winning millions of dollars you're losing millions of dollars you're supposed to have a response but at a poker table, you just you don't like mm -hmm. I like force myself not to get happy when I win big pots. And I force myself to not get upset when I fucking, you know, lose pots because it's like you, you just want to just like the more even keel you are, the less you're going to like negatively react in the game. Right. Like if you're losing a bunch of money, and you start chasing the money or playing more aggressively or whatever, then, you know, people call it opening up, you know, when they open up a player and then they got to, you know, fucking lose the crazy amount because now he's chasing the win. And what he's doing is more predictable because like. Now he's just raising too much. He's calling too much. It's like he's in there with weak cards because he's impatient, you know? And so just not mentally being affected is, you know, it's difficult, um, but it's necessary. You know? It's funny. You compared trading to poker. And I have friends that are millionaire traders, right? And they'll make 100 k in a day, 200 k in a day. But they always say, for example, you're only, as good as, you're only as good as your last trade. Then they all stay like emotionally like mute because they never know what's going to happen next. So it's a good point. Yeah, I mean, that goes for people that don't have funds. Mm. Like if you're running a fund and you got thirty percent free roll on other people's money, then you know you don't really have the stress. And True. Yeah, you go to work and lose, but like you're not losing your principal. Like you're not losing your like you know your net worth. Like mm. you know, I got a buddy of mine that he's you know managing like a I don't know three four hundred million dollar fund, and so he'll have like crazy swings, and it'll be swings of his net worth. But it's not like he doesn't know what he has in the bank, right? Like this when you're a poker player, like your money in the bank could be in play tomorrow if you have a really bad night right so it's like it's really hard to budget or even understand like where you're at if mm. you're constantly like gambling and that happened to me when i was playing for crazy money it was like it was it was like i don't know i almost wanted to stop because i knew that if i had like a bad night that i could just like unravel and like literally go broke and you know when you're worth you know a lot of money it's like the potential to go broke should really never be there but i just knew myself mm. and it's like there was there was not going to be a better spot than playing this billionaire. Um, the problem is you just want to play like a five million dollar minimum buy-in to start. You know that was like the oh, starting point. Right? He always had you covered. So there's like a time I was sitting there with like eighteen million. He had me covered. So it's like you could play a thirty-six million dollar pot. You know it's like this. Holy. So um, <laughs> you've talked about uh, how you had a gambling addiction and, and how you overcame it. I mean, obviously you're making tens of millions of dollars. You know, playing poker and beating you know people that were a lot more experienced than you just by you know kind of just being on the cutting edge how did you overcome it i mean i think any good poker player almost has to have a gambling addiction yeah um but it's the only gambling addiction that like isn't guaranteed to like end up broke like if you have a gambling problem and you play back right you're going to be broke I don't give a 
however rich you are, you're going to be broke. If you have a gambling problem and you sports bet, unless you're like the best sports handicapper, you're going to be broke. Like these guys are going to go broke. They have a bad gambling problem. If they have a, just a regular gambling problem. They're going to just their life. But like if they have a bad one, like because you can always bet more. You can always keep up in the stakes. I mean, I've seen guys betting, you know, a million dollars a hand at Baccarat. Like you can go up. Even even the richest guys can go broke. Like if you got a gambling problem, because look, if every I mean, I'll break it down. Baccarat, you're a five percent dog, so you're betting a hundred thousand a hand. Every what's the difference hand. between Baccarat and like regular poker for the people that might? might Baccarat, you're fighting against casino, and you're a five percent dog. There's no counting cards. There's no edge. So every hand that you bet a hundred thousand dollars, statistically, you're supposed to lose five thousand dollars to the casino. Mm. So if you go in there, is that where the phrase "the house always wins" comes from? Yeah. That's true. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it, like you don't, like you're not gonna win. They're gonna kick you out. Like even if you're a card counter, like they have the eye in the sky. It's gonna tell you every time what that card count is. And if it's a positive shoe, if it's like beneficial for the player, and you're in there hammering and winning, they're gonna kick you out. Like they're gonna kick you off the table. Like, and so yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where it's, poker is the only, only form of gambling that I mean, other than maybe like betting on backgammon or something we're like you know you can win in the long run and, and the beauty of poker is is the on the surface sim simplicity of like how it looks and the fact that there is so much luck well so much luck there's enough luck involved in poker where a bad player can win and mm. that's the key for a good gambling game because the bad player never wins he's not going to keep playing, right? right if he wins here and there he's going to think oh i'm getting unlucky or you know what? i played bad the other night i'm gonna play better you know it's like it's hard for you know a good player to really extract a lot of money if there's not some luck involved. Yeah, if that makes sense. Wow. And, and you know, it's it's interesting that you say that because as you were saying that to be a good gambler, you almost have to be an addict. And I and I thought that I thought about that for a second, and I was like, you know what? If you look at anyone that's great at what they do, they have to be addicted to it. Obsessed with like, it. Like Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, they yeah. were practicing when no one else was practicing. They were addicted to the game. You know, you can't become great unless you're addicted to it. You have to have an obsession for it. And the difference between basketball and, and poker is the, is the rush with poker. You just mm. always have that rush. Like, the ability to win or lose crazy amount of money in a split second, is that's a rush that's, like, hard to describe. And it doesn't come, like, outside. That's why a lot of, like, you know, special forces guys, a lot of, like, people in high adrenaline fields gravitate towards gambling. It's because uh, that's, like, the one place where they can feel that rush without risking their life. You know yeah. what I mean? I mean, they kind of are. Like, if they're betting, their, you know, then they're gambling with their net worth or whatever. They're kind of like risking risking their way of life, you know. And a lot of people end up committing suicide when they go broke from gambling. So I guess yeah. like Damn. indirectly, maybe. But the point is that, you know, it's it's almost impossible to replicate. Yeah, like that that adrenaline. It's like man, because you can just always up it to whatever your level is. Like you can just keep bet more until you care. And like at some point, you're gonna care. You know, you, like billionaires care at, you know, a lot lower increments than you'd normally think, you know, because in their mind, they still remember what it was like to grow up and not have money and that fun. You know, just like me, when I roll a joint, I don't spill any weed because I just remember when I was a kid that like <laughs> weed was valuable. It's like in grade, I, like, all I, I remember in, in, in LA, I had pounds of weed. I had so much, I couldn't smoke this shit if my life depended on it for 20 years to go. And I was like, didn't want to spill any, you know what I mean? But it's like things like that just get ingrained in you. And so, you know, just because a guy's got a billion dollars doesn't mean that he doesn't care about, you know, 10000 or not that he's going to be competitive with it. You know, some guys don't give a but some guys do. You know, so it's like 
I don't know what that level is. Like, it just depends on the person. But you can find that threshold. Like, somebody's going to give you action. Like, some casino will take your bets. Speaking of addictions, right? Obviously speaking, is internet. Social media is a thing. It's not going away. So I'm a big component of using Instagram for success, for dating. I want to hear your take on it. So what do you think for a guy, where does that measure in his, like, I want to say, success level of using, using Instagram to your advantage? Well, I mean, Instagram, you know, I talk about this in the book a little bit, you know, like, it's just a way to communicate with every girl without texting her, right? You, and, and, and do it without, like, perceived effort either. You know, you know, like, when you text a girl, you're texting her. You're communicating with her because you want to talk to her. She knows that you're interested. There's some level of interest. You're not just going to text a girl for no reason. Mm -hmm. How's your dog? How's your day? Like, you're not going to do that if you don't want to her. Like, how many fat chicks do you text and ask them how they're fucking dating? <laughs> Zero. <laughs> <laughs> Right? Yeah. Like, they know that. Like women understand social interactions a lot better than men because they're they're basically playing poker, but they're seeing your cards. Full hand. Yeah, because you're when you hit on them, you're showing them your hand. So how, you would get a lot better at poker if you play with a bunch of showing you their cards the whole time. Mm -hmm. Well, these bitches have been playing poker since they were like ten. Right. Having guys hit on them since they're ten. Thank you. But the difference is yes. they're having guys hit on them showing their cards. So they're playing poker, seeing everybody's hand from the time they're ten. And now some guy in college decides he wants to try his hand at poker. He hasn't played any poker. He's never seen anybody else's hand. He's got no shot. Yeah. He's playing against a girl that's been seeing hands for eight years. Like every asshole has been hitting on this girl. Mm. She knows what it looks like for a guy to be interested in her. And then she pre-qualifies that guy and decides if she's interested. She's in the driver's seat. Okay. So when you're in the driver's seat and you know what's going on, you start understanding social interactions a lot. And so that's what's been happening, you know? And so it's just, it's no surprise that females are a lot more like, you know, ready to, you know, like figure shit out. And they're able to like manipulate guys and like they've got the advantage because they've been doing it for a lot longer. That's a good analogy. I think that's something that, because uh, we've talked about that on the podcast too, that like by the time a girl's 18, she's pretty much a, back, a, a black belt at like deflecting lower status or guys that she's not interested in, Aikido. men. Versus dudes, they're just kind of like approaching girls for the first time, like, hey, well, how are you doing? And it's like the girl can like smell the low the, value and the lack of confidence. Yeah. And then the desperation, yeah, the reeks But, anyways, to answer your question, so mm. by doing a post, you're communicating and you can do it subtly, you can do it not so subtly, you can just beat them over the head like I would do with my posts, right? Like, <laughs> but you're communicating value, you're communicating like interest, you're communicating what you're doing, like, when I say communicating interest, you're like communicating these things that are going to make them interested in you. You're not communicating interest to the girl, right? You're just doing a post. You're just saying, hey, I'm in Bora Bora, or, you know, here here I am on this boat, or, you know, like whatever. It's me and this hot girl having dinner. Like, whatever it is that you're posting. I'm not saying to post this thing. I'm just saying everything you post communicates something, right? So you can just post a picture of, you know, your cat. It doesn't look like you're trying hard. It doesn't look like you're trying to anybody right but every bitch that's following you sees that cat and now she's thinking about he's you. so cute you know maybe she maybe she wants to go with you maybe she doesn't but either way she's thinking about you because she's seen something and she's seen your name she wouldn't have been thinking about you otherwise so social media is a tool you know what I mean? it's just like how you use that tool and so to me i recognized you know that it was a tool back in 2012 i recognized that it was a tool to brag i recognized it was a tool to get laid i recognized it was a tool to communicate all these different things right and so what did I want to do? I wanted to get more pussy and I wanted to get into better poker games. So I was able to like show people that I had money, which helped me get into better poker games. 
and I was able to show people that I was doing cool shit and that, you know, other girls like me and whatever, which got me more, you know, these things start snowballing, whatever. So it's just kind of like, you know, it, it is what you use it for, right? And so you can use it and it's much, much more effective than sending out mass text to every, you know, I think Tate did like some podcast where we talked about yeah. sending a mass text out. It's like, you know, okay, that's fine. But like, I think a more effective way, and you know, if he's girls, then I guess it's different, right? He's already, but like, I'm saying like with a post, you do a lot more than like directly texting girls, you know, and you get them to text you. And once a girl texts you, it's a different conversation. I'm all about like making the girl chase you. So then you have control. You're in the driver's seat. You can push away, push away. You know, the same girl, the same guy, because she chased him. She now perceives that she's won. She's got what she wanted versus a guy. Oh, maybe I shouldn't, you know, all these other things, right? Like, so it's just a perception thing. And life is all perception. I mean, it really, life comes down to perception i mean like i could take the same guy and give him you know let, let's say you're 16 i give you a ferrari and then you turn 22 and i give you a bmw m6 you're going to be you know not stoked about the m6 you just came off a brand new badass ferrari but i give you a mustang cobra and then six years later i give you that same m6 you're the same guy in the same school the only thing that changed was your perspective because you had a ferrari before it's the same you're in the same place, you're 22 years old, everything is the same, but you're stoked about it on this side and you're not stoked about it on this side. The only thing that changed was, you know, you had a Ferrari before, so your perception. <laughs> I want to add this as well. Dan, you, you know what? I like you so much because you post with intent. So you have a goal in mind before you even post. And most people, what do they do? Go on social media. Oh, gym selfie, bathroom selfie. Oh, I'm eating food. There's no intent behind it rather than just posting. And I think for a guy, if you want to have business uh, unlock, for example, girls, Post with intent, because that leads to results. But with a low perceived effort, mm. I always say that, you know, like when somebody like goes through all these hoops and does all this shit to set up a shot for Instagram, it's clearly a shot that they took for Instagram and they put all this effort into it. I don't think that's cool. You know, like I think it's cool if you're just naturally doing it and you get a shot of it, but I don't think it's cool to like go through all this effort to like show people that you're doing something cool. It's kind of like the difference between bragging about your Lamborghini and the girl just walking into your garage and seeing there's a Lamborghini in there. It's a lot more impressive. You didn't talk about it 20 times before you saw it, you know? So it's like, there's a subtle art to it. I mean, I just, you know, bang people in the head with mine because I had a little bit of a different goal. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know, I was looking at it like a video game. I just want to see like how many followers I get. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Score, right? It was yeah. like, it just it kind of like a new shiny toy I want to play with. But like, you know, and obviously, like, I saw what people respond to, but I always tried to, like, keep it organic. And I think that was the reason that I was successful is because, like, I just wanted to do cool shit. And I had a camera guy there to try and capture it. Like, a lot of times, like, he wouldn't capture it. And we would just end up doing a bunch of cool shit that nobody ever found out about. And, you know, that was fun. That was better to me than redoing it to try and, like, get the shot. You know, then, then like, the whole experience. And for me, it was, like, more about doing a bucket list of, like, all the experiences that I want to do in my life than it was about, like, showing people I was having a good look. You know, it, it, it shifted more towards the end when I started doing Ignite because then it was like for a brand, it was for a purpose, you know. But the initial part of it was just like, man, we're gonna do cool shit, we're gonna capture what we can capture. But I can tell yours are candid. Most people try to copy your formula, but like, it's like two forces too, like, oh, pose this way. Yours are candid shots of you just living life. That's no, important. It was, like, it was like, okay, yeah. we're just gonna go out on the yacht with 20 girls and we're gonna have fun. I'm gonna do G and I'm going to get laid. And you know, if you get a cool shot, then cool. I mean, I was on a yacht, I spent a million dollars for a yacht. I was on there with like 
I don't even know, I think it was like 37 chicks, and they were like the hottest chicks in the world. And I think I only got like one picture of me riding a jet ski, and then like one of me like passed out on the couch with three chicks on me. And I was like, I was on the whole yacht for like a week doing the most wildest shit ever. You know what I mean? Like mm. having fun. And like, we didn't capture a lot of it, but you know what? Like I still have a good time. And that was more important than like, you know, like, oh, we're, you know, can we set up a shot here? You know, just like yeah. shit, you know, because I'll do crazy shit and then like a lot of it like we just don't even get a picture you know i always want to see what happens off camera because i know that's way fun way more fun but i would say this just from my, my own personal opinion like i look at the two people on instagram you and andrew tate what was it like meeting andrew tate what's it like being him i'm um, meeting him oh meeting him yeah um, <laughs> yes yeah, I, I can tell you that um, <laughs> i only met him once and you know he was actually like you know honestly he was exactly how i expected him to be mm. very sharp polite nice like you know well-spoken you know very respectful and that's how i actually thought he was gonna be a lot of people would see him and expect him to be like a very different way but like i've just met enough celebrities and seen enough like online persona or whatever and i've seen a lot of his interviews you know like i saw his first pierce morgan and i saw his second one and i like you know and i and i talked to him after the first one i was like you know i'd just be a lot more combative if i were you this guy's being an asshole he's clearly trying to like get in a gotcha moment you know and he's like not being your friend and you're you know being too polite to this guy. Like, call him out. He's virtue signaling. Tell him he's virtue signaling. Because that's exactly what he's doing. Yep. Yep. You know, because he was. You know, so it was like, you know, if the guy's acting like a jackass, tell him he's acting like a jackass. And the second time, I felt like it was night and day better, you know, because he was just like a lot more certain. And he went in there like a little bit more prepared. You know, and like Pierce is trying to do that. He's going to try and like, you know, sabotage. He's got his whole team looking at everything he's done for the last 10 years. And I would have said that to him. I'm mean, like, listen, you know, it's real easy for you sit here on your tv show that you're editing and try and like you know point out all the mistakes that i've made for the past 10 years i guarantee you, you haven't been so perfect like i trust the guys that leave with their works that's what i do i leave my worst shit i don't try and convince you that i'm a great guy like mm. i may do good shit but i'm not bragging about it i worry about the guys that are bragging about all the good shit that hide all the bad shit because those are the scumbags yeah those are the guys you gotta watch out for like i guarantee pierce got a closet skeleton Skeleton. Yep. I promise you. Not me. I'm not worried about shit. I told you, ask me whatever you want in this interview, and I tell that to everybody. There's no question that are all limits. There's no subject I'm worried about. I'm going to prepare. Like, I don't care because I'm just going to tell you the honest answer. I'm going to think about it because it just it is what it is. Like, yeah. You know, it's like, you know, we don't have to remember lies. We don't have to come up with some crafty answer. It's just like, okay, like, I haven't been perfect. I'm not trying say that i was and i don't think anybody is yeah so the more that you can just kind of own your mistakes and the shitty things about you the more i'm going to trust you yeah the um okay. the pierce morgan interview we actually went to london with andrew when he did it and yeah. i remember after he was like you know uh, i don't know how that interview went and everything and you know and then it came out and i looked at it and it pissed me off a little bit because i could see he had an agenda he kept cutting andrew off i was like this is fucking bullshit but YouTube comments never lie, man. Yeah. And they roasted <laughs> Pierce Morgan for that. And I think Andrew, when it end, you know, ended up coming out and you can actually watch the full interview, everything, Pierce Morgan, I think, actually made himself look really bad, mm -hmm. which is why on the second interview, he toned it back, was a lot more respectful, let him finish the sentences, etc. So, um, you know, the people aren't stupid. They always see the jump cuts, they see the edits, and they see when you're trying to push an agenda or a virtue signal. So, well, thankfully. I also think Andrew stood up for himself the second time more. Yeah. Bullies respond better to that yeah you know a bully gets more and more empowered every time you kind of like dance around something and they feel like they can get you or you know they can just keep cutting you off you know that's what pierce has like bully you know mentality it's like of course. okay we're gonna raise our voice we're gonna cut somebody off we're gonna fucking you know stand on this fucking you know 
virtue signaling fucking, you know, hill that we have. It's like, you know, he just does all this shit, right? And so I think he's not going to respect somebody. He's, you know, it's like, he's like a stripper to me. You know, <laughs> uh, strippers don't have respect for themselves. So when somebody treats a stripper really good, that stripper loses respect for that. Facts. Yeah. You know, so like, but when you call them out and tell them they're a piece of shit, and they think they're a piece of shit deep down, they'll actually respect you more. And that's why strippers always end up with fucking guys that treat them like shit because they absolutely don't feel like they're that great. So when a guy treats them how they feel like they should be treated, then they respond better. It's kind of bad for the strippers because you yeah. know it's like kind of a fucking like you know, recipe for unhappiness. Thank you. Someone else said it. I've always said it. You, When you treat strippers well, they treat you like crap because they're not used to guys treating them well because, quite frankly, they know their POS is most of the time. Yeah. yeah it is mean, what it well, is. I mean, that's the thing is, like, somebody that doesn't think highly of themselves, it's very difficult to treat them well and get a positive result. Yeah. If they don't think they deserve to be treated well, yep. then you're just, like, you know, digging yourself a hole. Waste of your time. Yeah, they Facts. lose more and more respect for you. It's like, I, I found this with girls. Because for me, it's like I had all this fucking money. Like, you know, if I could just, you know, hand adult $10,000 and solve some of the problems that I was dating, like, that's the easy, that's the path of least resistance for me. Because the least thing I care about, and it's something that she cares about, you know, money is going to change my life in any way, shape, or form. I won't even fucking notice it's like a penny falling out of my pocket, right? But like, I found that by doing that, it would actually fucking hurt my relationship with her. Mm. That's powerful. Yeah, like, I have to force myself to not do it. Yeah, it's like here's the problem: we could throw money at it and solve it, right? But like when I would, I had to be careful with doing that with the wrong girls because they would actually, like I said, treat you worse because of it. Yeah, because all the guys that had done that previously were fucking simps and suckers and whatever. So yep. it's like you know, by doing that, you put yourself into that category, and then you also kind of like you know, she starts like subconsciously like viewing you as like a guy that you know is trying to earn her respect or whatever the fuck ever. You know? Yeah. And it's crazy how, like, guys don't understand this until they get burned. Like, I've always said it, like, typically the worst women that, like, are super promiscuous, terrible people, etc. When you treat them well, they will punish you for it, man. It is what it is. And Yeah, and that kind of goes into the whole, you know, can't turn a home to a housewife. Absolutely. The reason for that is because they're, you know, they're broken and their, like, thought process is wrong. It's not because, you know, they fuck too many guys. It's, I mean, that's not a great thing, but, like, that's not the problem. The problem is they're, like mentality which led them to fuck you know way too many guys right yeah because they didn't have respect for themselves or like whatever it was yep so you know point. you like date damaged people and you're gonna get damaged yeah absolutely um so you got almost 40 million followers on on instagram at this point i would say right 33 oh so i got like 15 on facebook i got you know this twitter you know i i, I think combined it's like 55 or 60. okay so well either way i would consider you the, the king of ig when it comes to like leveraging it uh to get girls <laughs> yeah can you uh, although i don't know man tigers used his platform probably <laughs> as successful as anybody i swear to god bumpers have ever been just dm yeah no he is <laughs> as i've heard i've heard i thought it was a autobot bro yes yeah. he's like recruit girls for his only fans uh but i would say i would say if if a guy wanted to, because he, he he's a rapper, right? So he's able to kind of leverage that as well. You know, I had some hit songs, blah, no, blah. I'm not even hating on it. Yeah. Like, but I think, like, of all of the people that have leveraged it to get pussy, yeah, he and I probably. Yeah. <laughs> but I, here's the thing. I'll, I'll give you the edge, and I'll tell you why. Because a, a, a regular guy, right, can take your playbook and use it to his advantage and not have to rely so much on, like, the rapper status, if that makes sense, right? So what I would say is, how, why leverage Instagram so uh, to get women, and how has it worked for you? Can you explain how you did it? Um, 
Well, I mean, you know, mine was a bit of a different playbook. You know, not everybody could just like take a page out of mine because mine was like very specific. I made a bunch of money playing poker uh-huh. and I wanted to do like a bucket list of all the things that I wanted to do when I was younger. And I just did that and I tried to capture it as best I could, right? And so mine was kind of like, I don't know, man, like a, like the rise to the, to the fucking top. Like it's almost like when a band guy gets famous, like that rise is more interesting than like following him when he's famous. Like, I, like I think that's why like Entourage was so interesting. It's like people want to watch like that journey, you know? And so this was kind of like a look in. And when I started posting, I wasn't famous, you know? And so it's like, as I was doing more and more, I got more and more famous. And so like crazier things started happening because of that. And so it was an interesting ride. And plus I had a fuckload of money and I was just doing all the things that I wanted to do. And that's pretty rare. Like there's a lot of guys with money that are probably doing wild shit, but they're not like posting about it or they got a wife or they got a fucking, you know, <laughs> business or, you know, the CEO, or, you know what I mean? Like not everybody can just like be out there with their shit. Absolutely. And I just did. So it was kind of like a perfect storm. Like nobody had done that before. And I think people want to see it obviously. Um, and yeah. I think with your your progress, uh, progression itself, and then for example, you having the mindset, you know what, I don't care what people think about me, that helped a lot too. You have to, man. Like, if you get fucking beaten up by the comments, it's going to drive you crazy. Like, yeah. You literally kill yourself. Yeah. Because there's always going to be somebody like talking shit. I don't give a fuck who you are. Like, there's nobody that doesn't have people talking shit. Because, like, people are not that happy, you know? Yeah. Like, and I think it's like getting worse and it got worse over COVID and whatever. Like, People are genuinely miserable. And because of social media, people like hate their lives more than they ever did before. Because now, you know, I was talking about this with my friend on the phone earlier. It's like everybody's comparing themselves with the fucking upper, upper edge. There's always going to be a fucking dude with more money that's taller, that has a bigger dick, that's more famous, that's fucking, you know, whatever the fuck ever, whatever your superficial fucking measurement is. There's going to be somebody that's going to beat you. And now everybody, every one of those categories is fucking on the internet and everybody's comparing this to this. And it's like, it's creating these women that have this fucking absolutely crazy skewed <laughs> idea of what they deserve. Like, what what, what these fucking sixes think they deserve is mind-boggling to me. Because if you take that six and fucking bring her back 20 years and stick her in fucking Idaho, she would think <laughs> that she maybe deserved the third son of the fucking farmer with the fucked up haircut. You know what I mean? Like, maybe if she was lucky. And she'd be happy if that motherfucker brought her to Denny's. Now she wants to do this fucking six foot two, making fucking seven figures a year. And not only does she want that, she thinks that she deserves that. And one day, one of these fucking guys is going to get drunk and accidentally fuck this girl. And then she's going to compare every single guy that she dates from that point on to that dude. And she's never going to be happy. Yeah. She's going to end up in one of these relationships that I see every fucking day, which is with a guy that she treats like shit, that that guy thinks he's never going to get better than her because he's been conditioned with this the fact that he just hasn't been getting any pussy, right? And she is like comparing him to this other guy, so she's like legitimately believes that this guy doesn't deserve it. And so like, both of them are not gonna be happy. The problem is this is like a formula for like everybody being miserable. And that's what you have today. It's like, did you know that from 2008 to 2018, like the amount of guys under 30 that have had sex has like gone down like three X? Yeah. One in three men now, yeah, between 18 three. to 30 is a virgin or has had sex. It's it's literally tripled like the, the yeah, amount of guys that aren't getting laid. Yeah. Fucking crazy. Yeah. Dude. And that was till 2018. I guarantee after 2018. It's got it got worse. Way worse. With COVID, with this OnlyFans bullshit. You know, with all this stuff. <laughs> it's, like, it's crazy. Bro, that fucking debacle, bro, the man. Him, bro. Because 
We say all the time on the podcast. We talk bro. about this on the pod, bro. When we, bring, when we bring girls on, and I'm really glad that we can have this discussion with you because here's the thing: you're the one fucking these girls. Let's keep it a thousand, Dan. You're the one fucking these girls. You're the one that the girls are cheating on their boyfriend with. They're, you're the one where they're traveling to California to go see that guy or whatever. That's you're the guy or Vegas. That's so why I know because I've seen it. I've yeah. Been on the other side. That's why I never want to be on the fucking wrong side. Of the <laughs> Man, it's like fuck. I feel uh, like. I honestly, like, I stopped fucking girls that had boyfriends. They just like felt bad about it. Like in college, I did. I didn't care. But then when I feel like when it got to a point where like they might not have cheated if it wasn't for me, then I mm. felt like a responsibility to like not ruin relationships. You know, before I was just like, well, shit, if she fucked me, she fuck anybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whatever, you know. Like the sooner you find out, she's the more the better. But like <laughs> now, it's a little different. Um, and so yeah, I just I try not to do that. Um, That's a good man. Good. I'm not always successful to try, you know. And, and, and I want to say this too, Dan, because what you just said is literally spot on. Because you know, we bring girls on the show, we we talk with them, we ask them, you know, what do you want in a man, etc. And all these guys, all these girls, describe a guy in the top one percent, man. And it's because they fucked an athlete before, they fucked a guy like you, they fucked a rapper here, or celeb here, whatever actor here, whatever it is. Like, and it's a girl that's like average, maybe a little bit above average, five, six, seven at the best. And they think, I deserve this guy. Not only do I deserve him for sex, but I deserve him for a relationship. And it totally skews yeah, their standards. Like, that guy's never going to date her. He'll fuck her, maybe. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But the problem is, he's still, like, she's still got his phone number. Bam. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, now, like, 10 years down the line, like, she still might hit him up. You know what I mean? It's just like, that's one of the problems with these girls that have fucked, you know, like, 100, 200 guys. It's like, they've still got all those guys' numbers. You know what I mean? So it's like, the likelihood that they cheat when they have all these, like, Cause I've fucked tons of girls that I'm. I'm one of these guys, and I'll like repeat. I'm back. Care. Like, yeah. I've, I'll have forgotten what it's like to fuck this chick two day, two years later. Okay, yeah. Find a new chick. What do I care? Like, I'm. Yeah. Whatever. So, for me, as long as there's been like a period that's passed, it's like fucking a new chick. I don't care. So like, I'll I'll go back all the time. Like, I don't care. And so there's plenty of guys, but the problem is when these girls have this like Rolodex, all these exes that they can hit up. It's like. Man, that's kind of like it makes it so much more likely for them to cheat. It's also a guy that they've already fucked, so they didn't count as like a number, you know. I got Could a you imagine? Oh, go ahead. Could you imagine the guy that she's dating that doesn't have a clue what's happening? Like she has, like for example, maybe Tiger in there, maybe you, maybe I don't know, a Tiger Woods, and it's like, hold on a second here. The guy she's dating is a regular guy going to work every day, busting his ass for her, comes home and like, oh, baby, I'm going on a girl's trip. She's coming to see you. He has no idea. This happened Dude. so many fucking times. I've seen it so, like, the most fucked up shit you could imagine. Like, I mean, bro, there's this. You got a story? I can tell you so many goddamn stories. I mean, like, one story, one story. All right, there's this girl. <laughs> um, let's see. Oh, all right, here's one. She shows up at my house, mm. and her boyfriend drops her off, and uh, she's like, oh, yeah, like, um, you know, it's actually. She's coming there for a shoot for the world. coming there for a shoot. My buddy BJ Baldwin, he was doing something for like recoil. He's an off-road truck racer, whatever. He needed a sponsor. And he, he needed some models. It's like, yeah, no problem. I can bring some out. So hmm. she was one of the girls. Before we even like got to Vegas, we're flying from LA to Vegas. She was already like naked on the plane. There was like a picture taken. It was posted on Instagram before we even landed, right? The boyfriend's already seen her fucking topless on my fucking plane, this and that. And we're like, we get get to my place in Vegas and we're like having lunch. She's like, oh, like, I'm watching fucking another girl. I was like, okay, like after lunch, you know? So like after lunch, <laughs> like, like fucking this chick and she's watching. She's like, oh, I want you to come to my face. And I was like, okay, cool. Fucking this chick. 
And then she's like, yeah, like, don't forget, like, I want you to come and base. And I was like, okay. And the third time, I was like, bitch, don't worry. I'm going to call you. So, you know, anyways, fuck, call the bitch to space. She's happy. Go upstairs, whatever. Have some cereal. She fucking blocks the dude because he's been, like, blowing up her phone. She blocks him. Hold on, it gets crazier. So then that night, I think I ended up fucking her that night or whatever, but the phone's still blocked. The next day, she takes, she's like talking shit about this guy. She's like showing all the fucking missed calls, all this shit, like at breakfast. And then she like unblocks him and leaves him a voice note, like, hey, have you walked our dogs? Like, wow. This motherfucker doesn't like tech, return it in the dead. He's like, hey, have you like walked our dogs or whatever? Like, and then like I've seen them like getting banged and like talking to their boyfriend while they're getting fucked. I've seen them like yelling at their boyfriend after they just got fucked. For liking the girl's picture on Instagram, like yeah. you could not even fucking make up in your mind. Like I've seen, you know. And then, anyways, so this bitch, she then, um, I don't even know. I think I even like fuck her in the ass. All this crazy shit. <laughs> and she texts and she's like, "Oh, I want you to fuck me again." I'm like, "Okay, fine." She like, and, and then she's like, "I'm just gonna tell my boyfriend that uh, the plane's delayed." I was like, "Okay." And then, but her boyfriend's texting my assistant, and they, and my assistant's like, "Oh, you know, we're on the runway." <laughs> and, like, and this girl's like texting. I don't understand. Like, how does he know? And I'm like, and I realize, like, hey, retard, stop fucking. You know, I throw a pillow at him. Stop fucking texting people. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then he stopped. And then we end up going to my house, and like, he literally sends her a picture of like my car going into my fucking driveway. And then she still like sees the picture and still fucks me for like 40 minutes, like insists that I come on her face and then fucking goes and, you know, probably kisses the boyfriend. Yeah. And three weeks later, I'm on a yacht in Italy. The bitch hits me up and she's like, hey, like, you know, I see her in Italy. Like, I'm out here. Like, I want to come meet you. I was like, well, we're on a boat. And she's like, oh, well, I can helicopter out of the boat. And I'm like, you know, we don't got a helipad. And she's like, oh, is it a small boat? I'm like, it's like 175 feet, but we ain't got no helipad. Like, what the fuck? How the fuck is she in Italy? What the She's with her fiance. Oh, the dude, oh, the, same dude? the same dude? What the oh, fuck? It gets even worse, bro. So, then, so he actually proposed to this hoe? Right after this. So I'm like, <laughs> Yo. no, you can't, you don't got no helipad. She's like, oh, it's a small, you know, this whole fucking stupid thing. I'm like, no, bitch. And then, she, and then don't see her. But then like a week, you know, like four days later, like that week or whatever, she posts a picture of like this big ass engagement ring this fucking guy gave her. You know, she's not the in the family. He's gonna like leave to go fuck me. I'm telling you, it's like the crazy shit. I mean, you remember the story in there where the chicks were sucking my dick and the boyfriend followed me to the boat and like the, 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 he's like, I can't go to my fucking like house. She's got my key and the securities and I'm like, tell the security like they don't even speak no English. They like suck my dick on the, the ride over, not even talking in English. All the girls in the fucking like van are like laughing and watching this shit. My buddy Bill's in the front seat with his girlfriend like, what the fuck? Anyways, they're like, tell the security, we're not leaving until he fucks us. Like, this whole crazy thing. Like, and this is like, they live here. I'm telling you, dude, like. Dan, this, you oh, must have trust dude. issues, bro. You must. Yeah, the, you I, must, bro. I, <laughs> you have to. I was to. to get a lie detector test yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> bro, dude, I've always said it. When girls yeah. have leverage in a relationship, they're fucking terrible people. Like, I mean, people can go ahead and call me an asshole, whatever it may be. But when a girl is running a relationship and she's, you know, hounding you or giving you a headache or whatever. Bro, they do shisty shit like that. And here's a problem that guys don't understand. Like when your girl cheats on you, it's with evil intent because it's emotional for them. You know, it's not the same as you fucking another chick. Well, it's, so it's, it's like, worse too. Like, I think a lot of these girls get off and doing shit they're not supposed to do. Yeah. 
to. Yeah. So it's like that, they won't just cheat on their boyfriend. They'll get fucked in the ass and then suck your dick and then like you know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> do the most wildest shit. They'll do all the shit they won't do with him yeah, with you. Been, been fucked you in the ass in three years. You know what I mean? And like, yeah. Just do it with your first rip. You know, like and just crazy shit. I I just don't understand it. It's it's like. Yeah, their mentality is fucked up, but they definitely get off on doing shit they're not supposed to do. Because, like I said, they'll do shit specifically fucked, like that's like super fucked up, just to get off on doing it. You know what I mean? Like they'll fuck you while the boyfriend's like waiting to pick them yeah. up. Yeah. Like, so, so Dan, we need your help, brother. What if I'm the average guy that's being cheated on? How do I stop it from, from happening? I mean, it's so, there's so much to it, man. Like, a, like a big piece of this is like how you set the foundation of your relationship. Mm. And this is why I tell people it's like very important to get girls to chase you, because when you're chasing a girl, then like when she gets you, she doesn't know if she wants to keep you, if you're good enough, or this or that. Whereas if she's been chasing you and you finally decide to date her, she's just like happy to be dating you. So it's very different, man. Like I'm telling you, like it's it doesn't sound that important, but it is important to like have the foundation of the relationship, like where you're not needy. And too many of these guys are like super needy and they come into the relationship as being needy. And in order to be in a good relationship, like period, guy or girl, you have to not need anything from that relationship. You have to be happy in homeostasis by yourself, like with nobody or either that or have a bunch of fucking options where if she doesn't fucking act right, you got three bitches waiting. Whatever the case is, you have to not need it. Right. And then if you hang out with her, it's because you want to hang out with her, not because you need a companion, because you're lonely or whatever the fuck ever. Right. Like, and so I think that's a big part of it. So like the whole like setup and framework and foundation of this has to be right. And in that relationship, you have to act right too. Like you can't put up with a bunch of shit. You can't let her get away with a bunch of shit. Cause if she gets away with a bunch of shit, she's going to lose respect for you along the road. And, and this is another situation where neither person is happy. The fucking girl that's been like treating the guy like shit isn't happier. She has less respect for this guy. He's taking the shit. Like, and neither of them win. It's like a lose lose. Whereas if the guy stands up for himself, calls the chick out, checks her, she'll respect him, she'll act right, he'll be happier, she'll be happier. So, like, there's many things where, like, this can get very derailed early on. And then the problem is you start going down the wrong road early. And the deeper you go down the road, the harder it is to get back to where you're supposed to fucking And the worse she's going to treat you and the well more said, evil bro. she's going to well be. Said. I mean, that's a yeah. fucking down the market. Down because I agree with that a thousand percent. I mean, and, you know, the strategy you just employed, I, I've said that before. The girl's got to like you more than you like her. And you mentioned something about her chasing you, right? And you setting it up where she chases you because that way she's going to respect you more. Um, would you say... That because we talked about social media, girls having all these options, girls being fairly delusional of where their value is, etc. Would you say social media has pretty much created an environment where men have to operate this way nowadays with modern day dating and modern day women? I mean, I think social media has perpetuated a lot of the problems. I think it's like granted access like unnecessarily. And because it's granted these girls access to all these different celebrities, now everybody's being compared to these people, right? So it's like creating unrealistic expectations it's creating an ecosystem that was never there before. And so it's like, if you give everybody in the world access to everybody else, then it's like, everybody's competing against 8 billion people. Like, mm. you know, I can compete against, you know, 400 people in a small town and be the man, but like, can you compete against fucking like 10 million people in LA? Can you compete against fucking a hundred million people? Can you compete against fucking 4 billion people? Like at what point, like, can you not compete? Because nobody's the best in every single category. Yeah. So no matter who the fuck you are, there's going to be a category that you're lacking in. So if you're being held to that standard, it's like, 
nobody's going to be happy. The girl's not going to be happy with you. You're not going to feel adequate. It's like this, like, you know, just nonsensical thing. And it's like they focus it really like on the body positivity shit. <laughs> and instead, like, why don't you focus on, you know, because body positivity is like the one thing you can actually do something about. Like almost everybody could have like a top tier physique if they just fucking worked hard enough, mm-hmm. you know. But all this other shit, it's like you can't grow taller, you know. Like not everybody can be a fucking billionaire, you know what I mean? Like everybody, you know, it's whatever these things that they want are. It's like all of this is not achievable. Can you focus on like one thing and get better at it? Yeah, but like you know, if you're born ugly, like you better get rich, you know what I mean? That's yeah. Something. But like you know, that's what I'm saying. But if she expects good looking and rich and this and that, it's like. And I think, yeah, I think that's kind of where it's at, where it's like all the women are chasing a small minority of the men. And most of you guys don't have, you know, the income, the height, the charm, the charisma, the nice Instagram, the blue check, the social status, etc. It's like, I, I'll, I'll say this. I mean, this might be controversial, but I think if a girl is like slept with like five or ten celebrities, like, bro, you probably don't want to take that girl seriously at all. Like, I mean, it, 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 especially if you're an average guy. Like, it's just not a good look for you. Like, if a girl tells me anything like, oh, I've dated this celeb before, I've dated this guy, I instantly say, yeah, this girl's streets. I'm not never going to take her serious. Dan, I don't know what your thoughts are. Yeah, I'll battle with some of them. So I know, yeah, I mean, it's a whole thing. You know what I mean? Like, I, you know, uh, fucking, there's a couple of them that fucking really hate last some of their bitches. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, if you had to choose between money, status, and let's say, for example, looks, as a guy, what would be the number one thing you would choose out of those three? Many status looks. If I could choose one to get girls. If if yeah, if your goal was if you only, only had one marker. Yeah. We say the same thing. We say the same shit. It's not. It's yeah. not even a conversation. Yeah, like, dude. Bro, look. I mean, look at like fucking you know Leo, like all these guys, like you know all these categories that these women say they want everything. It's like it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like, if Leo's got a five inch dick, he's still getting all the pussy. You know what I mean? If Leo's fucking four foot five he's still getting all the pussy like whatever like you know what I mean? if you're like famous enough all that stuff just falls out i agree with you a thousand percent um, and also i saw it because i got different things at different times like i got the money first uh-huh. you know and um well no i can't i mean i guess like it depends on how like all the different categories so like at first i got into shape yeah because i wanted to do all the i wanted to have every fucking advantage yeah i, could have. I didn't get a lot of pussy when i was in junior high and like yep. high school and i was in jail my senior year, right? So I had this perceived fucking lack that I wanted to make up for. Mm-hmm. And so I want to make sure I checked every motherfucking box. So like, first thing was getting in good shape. Yep. You know, I, was, I finally got to be popular, but then I got thrown in jail. So it's like, you know, it's like little things along the way. But when I put the being in good shape and being popular in college together, it was like, man, fucking all bets were off. And then we added that to the setup, which was like that ratio was right at our parties. I mean, I'm going to ask you about that next. We'll, we'll continue. I don't yeah, want to interrupt you. It was absurd. And so, yeah. then, you know, so I had those things. So, so, you know, like we got the, we got the looks in order. We got the status in order. We got the fucking, you know, setup in order. You know, so it's like, and I saw those, right. And then, then the money came. And I got rich, right. Like, and I got rich in different levels. And so I saw like the varying, like this tears of women. Yeah, money's a tool, right. So yep. like, I saw the different levels of that money, right. Cause yeah. There's, you know, there's like money and then there's like real money and then there's like fuck you money and then there's like, okay, we can change the world money, right? There's different levels to it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So like for me, it's like, you know, it's just like, I don't, like it's not like, you know, 50, 100 million, like I would even consider that, you know, having money, right? Yeah. So like, but I'm maybe a fucked up outlier, right? But I've been jaded. So like everybody's got their own view, but like for me, it's like, fuck, I don't know. I didn't really think that I had money until 
I hit that threshold. And so when I hit that threshold, I saw how that. You, we're talking over 100 million right now, just yeah, to be a specific. Okay, like, all right. Like those, yeah. Like, where, you know, you, you can get a jet, like you're never flying commercial, you got a yep. nice house, like all this shit. Yeah. And, and to be fair, like, I was living like I had like 500 million when I had like 50, because uh-huh. I had all the sickest houses. I, you know, I was renting my house in LA, I was renting this house in San Diego, and I was getting crazy deals. The house in San Diego was like a 20 something million dollar house. The house in LA was probably like $20 million house. Then I had the penthouse in Vegas, which was like the nicest fucking apartment. You know, so I had like the nicest places, the nicest spots. Yeah. I had the Ferraris, I had all the shit. There's nothing more. I bought a plane and right yeah. the fuck. So I had every like there was nothing else I really could buy other than maybe a yacht. Like if I had a billion dollars, I wouldn't have really like had anything different. Like maybe I would have had a bigger You know house. what's funny? Andrew said the same thing. Once you hit twenty million or above, you're pretty much in the same locations as the billionaires, etc. It's like it's, it's higher than twenty. Fifty million. higher? 50 is minimal because like, you can't really get a plane. The plane is a big game changer, especially now with all these fucking Okay. So you, you would say 50 million is at that point where it's like, okay, now it's like you're doing the same shit as all the billionaires. You're in the same areas as them. I think 20 million is you've got everything that you need. Basic needs met. Okay. Like luxury needs met. Like you can have a Ferrari. You're not balling out of control. You're not flying private all the time. You don't have multiple houses. You're not like... You don't have a retirement money, but like you've got like the shit that you want, basic yeah. shit, like you know whatever. Every guy wants a Ferrari. Every guy wants a fucking nice watch, right? You got like the basic shit. Yeah. Fifty to a hundred, like I'd say a hundred, like fifty to a hundred is where okay, now you're flying private. You know, you've got a nice house. Mm. You know, but like not much difference between you and a billionaire essentially at that point. I'd say like in the hundreds, there's okay. like, like I'd say like a couple of two, 300 is not much different than a billionaire at all. Fair enough. Then, and that's why I say, there's actually an example I, I like to give, like when you're playing poker, if you're worth a hundred million dollars and the guy at the table says, he'll flip you a coin for that hundred million and I'll give you a billion. If you win, you 10 to one on your money. You're not supposed to take that flip because the difference between a hundred and a billion isn't that much. Your life's not going to change that much. The difference between having a hundred million and having fucking zero is enormous. Gotcha. Right? So you've okay. got this gap from zero to a hundred million, and you've got like this from a hundred million to a billion. What an analogy. It's like okay, bigger plane maybe. Now you own the yacht instead of renting the yacht. Who fucking cares really? Like. You know, like you have an extra vacation home, but you can rent that home for the fucking, you know, like the week in the winter that you want to go skiing. And it's probably better to rent because then you go where the best snow is. You know what I mean? Like, and then you have to deal with the hassle and, the, you know, now you have to have a fucking multiple state managers and all the staff and shit. Like, sometimes like more money, more problems, definitely like, as you scale. I mean, like eventually when you get like billions, then it's like, okay, you have an entire team that just handles everything. You don't yeah. have shit. Yep. You show up, the plane's fucking ready. You've got fucking... 50 people on staff like i got 25 people on staff you know what i mean but you get fucking more you know what i mean like it's just it scales right and then all of a sudden it's like everything's done dan i wrote this down because this means a lot to me especially like what i read for example the bible so to me you remind me of the modern day king solomon right so after having all this success and lifestyle what's one thing you learned about life that you think that most guys will never learn having your success remind me of the king solomon story <laughs> <laughs> basically he's a king that was that did it very well back in jerusalem uh god's chosen chosen person he had a thousand wives he had everything you could think of money um buildings property he had everything but he realized in life it all meant nothing but what's your take on that well, it meant nothing in what sense i mean like it- because he his thing was like okay you can have health you can have money you can have all this stuff but like for example when you die what what is it worth 
Yeah, I mean, we all have the same fucking, you know, grave, right? Um, I, when you die, it, it doesn't matter. You know, like, I guess, like, you know, your impact on the world matters um, if you care about that. But, you know, listen, if you're fucking dead, you're dead, right? We, you know, we usually all got the same kind of, like, I don't know, whatever it is, 80 years, 70 years, fucking whatever. But um, to me, the money is valuable in the sense that you don't have to put up a shit from other people. Mm. You do whatever the fuck you want. You can have, like, just a more interesting life. You know, I haven't spent a lot of my life doing shit that I didn't want to do. I mean, I have, but, like, not compared to, like, the average guy that has a 9 to 5 that fucking spends 40 hours a week and then fucking, you know, spends another 10 hours commuting and then fucking you know, whatever, right? He's spent, like, the bulk of his life doing shit that, like, doesn't really benefit him or that he doesn't enjoy. Right. So, to me, being able to spend your time doing things that you want to do and bettering yourself and, you know, improving your health and, you know, whatever, I think, you know, traveling, just getting experience, like, I think that there's value in that, but I don't think that money is necessarily correlated with happiness. And I think the reason is because you, you just get used to whatever you have. And so, it's like eventually all that stuff that like you want because it's going to bring you happiness or pleasure or whatever it's like it doesn't last that long so you're just used to it at some point I and mean, that's just your life like this is just my life like i don't think twice about like getting into my fucking plane or you know fucking hot chicks or eating the best food or like none of that stuff really brings me any joy at all it would bring me misery to not fuck a hot chick it would bring me misery to fly commercial it would bring me misery to eat a <laughs> shitty meal yeah or drive a shitty car mm. but having all the best shit doesn't i don't notice it at all it doesn't like i don't get in my car anymore and like smile because like oh shit like we're in a rolls royce we're in a ferrari yeah, it's like i don't give a fuck like i had a ferrari one night the last one i bought i was happy with it for less than 24 hours i put less than 100 miles on it in a year and fucking sold it lost eighty thousand dollars to drive less than 100 miles like you know i didn't care i didn't care anymore but when i was in college if i had that ferrari other than fucking Drive with the goddamn grocery store even if I didn't need bread. Just because I <laughs> yeah. wanted to fucking drive it. You know, like, like it would have made me super fucking happy. But eventually, you get used to shit, and then does it really fucking matter? I mean, not really. Like, unless you're using it as a tool. Like, to me, money's a tool at this point. It's like, okay, can it help me do this? Or, you know, for most guys, can it help me get laid? Or whatever you're using it for, you know, it's a tool. But... Do tools make you happy? I mean, I don't know. Sometimes, like for a short period of time. Usually, like the result is what makes you happy. Yeah. So to me, like money is just freedom and the ability to like not have to take shit from people. That to me, I think is the biggest advantage of money. Okay. That and like the ability to kind of like, you know, spend your time doing what you want to do. Yeah. So freedom. A lot of people can't do that. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. So, That's powerful, man. Um. So going back to what you were saying, because we we're talking about levels of money and, and women. So you were talking about the we, we were at the 50M point, uh, and then you said, <clears throat> so you so you got the money, and then you ended up, uh, and then you started getting the Instagram up, right? That's where you were before. Yeah. So to finish you know, off the money, the money was a big one. You know, I'd throw parties. The ratio was good. I had poker games. I had all these fucking hot chicks there. You know, definitely brought in pussy, but like. The fame was a whole different... The fame was the main amplifier. I knew it was going to be strong. I just didn't know it was going to be that strong. Because, like, I went on, you know, I went on tour with um, System of Down. Okay. Mm. Good friends of the drummer. Yep. And I'm like, okay, we're in Milan. We're going to get all the fucking pussy. I got the backstage pass. Like, it's all over. It's over for these bitches, right? Like, we're fucking... It's done. I didn't get no pussy. Three weeks. Me. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck man and like you know people didn't really you know people at the shows recognize them but when we were out in the streets like yeah nobody really gave a fuck and i was just like i was so surprised dude and then when i went 
to Europe when I was famous, it was a whole different motherfucking animal. Like, I was fucking chicks in the portalettes. Like, it was crazy. <laughs> Motherfuckers were coming up to me. Like, it, see, people see, like, see the Instagram thing, like, oh, it's Instagram famous, not real. It's like, dude, I've seen, like, like, like traditional celebrities, and then I saw the shit that I had, and it was not even fucking close. Yep. Like, it was not even close. Like, I mean, the shit that happened and the man that I saw and caused, it was just like, and it was all over the world, too. That was the crazy part. Like, 80% of my followings outside the U.S. So this was, like, in every fucking country other than Japan and China. Those places, they didn't really give a fuck about me. <laughs> fucking India, got yeah. like, places, you, you know, you wouldn't even fucking think. Like, yeah. Iceland, like... Bro, so everybody knows who the fuck you are. So bro. status is by far the biggest amplifier. And I, I agree with you 100% on that. You get spots that you wouldn't even try before. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I would fuck a chick in a hotel lobby. Like, shit that I would not even attempt, I would do and be successful almost every time. Wow. So it's like, it almost encourages you to act like a jackass because you yeah. just get rewarded and you get away with all this shit. It's like these fucking, you know, uh, Hot chicks. rock stars that, that, that roast a goat in a hotel room and they get headlines of how cool they are. They do things that, like, normally in society would throw you in jail. People yeah. think you like you're a fucking idiot, like, throwing a fucking TV out of the hotel room. It's like, oh, this guy's a rock star. So that's awesome. Normal guy does that. It's like, hey, you fucking retard. <laughs> like, you're in jail. I, like, I heard you pulled it off one time where you slept with a girl and you didn't even say a word to her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Legendary. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yo, tell us about that, man. Because Legendary. most guys can barely get anything. They got to talk. They got to do something. You know what I mean? Guys can yeah. spend months talking to a chick. How'd you pull that off? You didn't say a word to this I bitch. I didn't care. That's why. Damn. Mm -hmm. 2014, and I had fucked I had two or three girls earlier that day. And yeah. Like other ones waiting. And I was, we were on a yacht where you can. And fucking, I was, and then I got fucking beaver laid. I mean, it was just like pussy was everywhere. And mm -hmm. like, I just saw this chick, she was looking at me, and I stared stared back at her, and I was like, you know what, fuck, I wonder if I could fuck this chick without talking. And I was fucked up. You know, when you're fucked up, you try shit that you wouldn't normally try when you're sober. You know, you're <laughs> fucked up, so you think of an idea, and you're like, ah, I wonder if I could pull this off, right? So it's like, okay. This is going to be a great story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So see if you can pull it off. So I just, like, went over, grabbed her by the hand, and it's like, they didn't actually, not even a great story. It's just, like, it's just funny. Like, I just, like, you know, just stared at her for a second, went over there, grabbed her hand, took her upstairs. And we started hooking up my room, fucked her, and like she said something to me, I think, while we were like taking our clothes off, and I like had to like consciously not. <laughs> yeah, you were just like. It was like pretty seamless, man. And then like after I fucked her, you know, like we talked in the shower or whatever. And yeah. Sit, you know. Like, what was her name? I don't fuck. Her. <laughs> <laughs> I, could, I, could, I could pick her out of a lineup. She was hot. She had like a fucking like a strong. I feel like, like an Eastern Bloc European like model like. Tall blue eyes, like she's hot, fucking traditionally like smoking hot chick, you know, like yeah. seeing both. And um, that's dope. Yeah. So you mentioned that um, she was on your yacht, right? Yeah. The funny thing is, I remember this distinctly. She probably doesn't even fucking remember. <laughs> <laughs> I distinctly remember that moment. It was like, oh, this is the first time I ever fucking chick with that talk. Yeah. Yeah, and see, it's amazing how like guys have to like remember things like that because it's so hard for us to do these types of things. And and I want to say this too because this segues perfectly into the next topic. Uh, you're known for throwing legendary parties where the ratios are awesome um, and you set up things in a situation where pretty much any guy that's there, if unless you're a retard, you're going to probably get laid because you just are able to set up a, a great environment. And I don't think guys understand the importance of logistics. I mean, we had midget had a threesome. No, I'm saying, the, the, yeah, like, oh, the, well, okay, even better. The retard can get laid. So no, no, I'm saying he probably could. No, that's what I'm saying. He, he could, yeah. fucking two chicks and smoking cigarettes in my liver. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll, 
Hey, I believe it, man. I believe it. But that's what I'm trying to say is that like the setup is that epic. And my thing is, I've always said it where the setup a lot of the times and the logistics is half the game, right? Oh, and it's more than half. Yeah. It's more than half because that's that's dictating the environment. Yeah. So like the environment is so critical. Yeah. I mean, how, why would it not be? The environment's probably like 90% of it. If I put you on a deserted island, like you're going to look pretty good. Yep. <laughs> like you got one arm. You got yep. no money. You're the only dick in town. <laughs> like eventually you're going to look better and better and better to this chick, right? So like that's an environment. Another environment is, you know, a fucking party in Beverly Hills where there's fucking 3,000 other girls that are hotter than you, you know? And now like you're looking at this dude with one arm. It's like, you know, fuck, this is my only chance for fucking, you know, validation. And I'm, like, <laughs> I'm just saying like depending on the situation, it's going to depend on how people act, right? Like if they're, and I'll, I'll give you an example. We're on a vacation and like the hottest chick in the fucking group was like got butt naked and started fucking like, I don't know, she jumped in the fucking, she jumped in the, and she got butt naked, jumped in the jacuzzi and then came back in and started doing shots. And all of a sudden every chick in the fucking house was naked doing shots and this and that. And then I've been on other trips where like, the hottest chick was like a fucking prude and acted like she was too good. Then all of a sudden, all the rest of the chicks were way fucking more boring. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So Women are followers. Environments, you people in general. Yeah. Like, so environment's very big. So, because because um, one thing I like that you do is that you really show off the importance of social proof, pre-selection, and having other women around and creating a really fun environment. And also, I, and I've talked about this so much, how... When the ratio where there's a lot of girls and not as many guys, that changes things drastically because the girls now have to fight for the men. And when the women have to fight for the men, it's better for everybody. But when it's the other way around and it's a sausage fest, there's a bunch of dudes and not that many girls, the girls start to think that they're more special than they really are. And there's nothing worse than a pompous woman. Can you speak to that? Why, why ratio is so important, social proof, all these things? It's funny, man, because like one situation results in like all the guys getting laid and then the other situation results in nobody getting laid. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's, um, you know, women are the gatekeepers and people a lot of times forget about that. You know, they talk yep. about like, oh, it's the same if a girl's fucked 10 guys and a guy's fucked 10 girls. It's like, no, dummy, it's not the fucking same. Like, for women, you have the opportunity any night, any day to go out and get laid almost fucking with impunity. Like, have your pick. Right? Yep. Like, you know, because most guys, hot chick comes up to them, even a decent chick. It's like, oh, you know, she's like, hey, can I suck your dick in the bathroom? It's like, okay. Yeah. You know, you go up to a fucking, like, a hot chick and be like, hey, can I eat your pussy in the bathroom? Almost out of equipment, it's going to be fucking tough. <laughs> so it's completely different. Yeah. You know? And, like, it's one of those things where... You know, you, because they have the power, you know, then they have the responsibility of like their actions. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, it it would be the equivalent of me beating up a guy that's 450 pounds. Yeah, that would be pretty impressive. But yeah. if I went up and beat up a little kid, it wouldn't be very impressive. Good analogy. Fucking easy. Yep. Okay, so like for me to beat up a 450 pound guy would be the equivalent of me fucking a 10. For me to go fucking beat up a fucking six year old would be the equivalent of a girl getting laid. Exactly. And girls try to equate the two, which always like bamboos me. Like, look at all these guys in my DMs. Look at all this attention I get. I'm like, that doesn't count. Like, it's not the same at all. Like, women don't earn their value. Men have to earn their value. And guys still have to do all these things. And the funny part is that I've always noticed, like, if you throw a sick party, right, and you do all these things, and you make things happen, whatever. Like, girls have no appreciation for that. They don't even understand what it takes for a man to be attractive, to have that fun environment. They just show up. And the funny part is... Like, let's say they had a bad time because they were being a raging bitch or whatever, but the party was fun. They're not going to look and be like, 
damn, I was being a raging bitch. Maybe I should have, like, they're going to be like, oh, that party sucked, even though it was sick. Yeah, women don't have much accountability, you know? <laughs> uh, well, it's tough. No, that's facts. It comes from being hot, you know? Like, if, yeah. if a girl's hot, she's just had doors open for her the whole time, right? Her whole life. And it's like, if she acts like a fucking idiot, there's always going to be a guy that's going to put up with her shit and buy her dinner. So facts. They just don't have to learn. And so that for that reason, I mean, and that reason alone, I actually prefer a girl that became hot later. Because mm -hmm. the ones that have always been hot, I, you know, I equate to, like, the high school, you know, fucking quarterback guy that's pumping gas it's like yeah he had it easy he never had to work for anything so he never like really developed a work ethic and same thing with the chick you know? yep. like, they never really had to like develop a good person. that's why like a lot of times the hottest chicks that i fuck were the worst in bed mm. like, never had to like hone their skills or fucking put out like you know it's like starfish yeah. yep I mean, <laughs> not always, but like, yeah, a lot of times, like, give me a surprise. I, you know? Dude, no, I agree. Cause I've said that a million times on pod, and people think I'm crazy. I'm like, yo, it, it, dude, the hottest chicks a lot of times suck in bed, bro. They don't do so, shit. They're useless. They yeah, it's like, They're they the baddest chicks are useless. They don't have to learn. That's the thing, because there's always people that are willing to, like, fucking cater. Yeah. If you, so they don't really have like any like negative feedback. Yeah, it's like it's like they'll they'll sit there and they'll tell you like, oh, my billionaire ex boyfriend did this. like get the fuck out of my house, bitch. Like yo, it's crazy. Like I've said it before, hot girls are useless because a lot of the time they've never had to be useful. Yeah, that's just what it. Comes and if down you won't to. do it, someone else will. So it's like okay. Yeah, you they you can't tell them anything. So yeah. it's like I, I think if you're gonna wife a girl, and I want to get your take on this too, if you're gonna have like a long term partner. You're probably better off not dating a chick that's like a nine or a ten that's like blue check on Instagram dated, you know, celebs or whatever. You probably want to get a girl that's a little bit more under the radar, maybe a six, seven, eight, maybe at the best level. And that's probably a girl, the girl that not too many people know about. That's the girl you probably want to wife versus a girl that's like all over the place. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think a big part of it's trust. You know, I think that's like the number one thing going mm -hmm. in. Like you cannot date a girl that you don't trust. That is going to be a fucking nightmare regardless. Mm -hmm. So trust has to be there and like unequivocal trust too. Like that has to be, because it's not a natural thing. Most girls are liars. Most guys are liars. Like it's not a normal thing. Yeah. Less guys than girls. But like I would say like 90 something percent of women are liars. Because it's just easy. Right? And they've been doing it their whole life. So it's like when, when posed with a difficult question, they just spit out a lie and the, and the problem goes away versus if they're honest, they've gotten punished for it in the past. You know what I mean? Like when they're honest about something, usually like, you know, they pay for it. So it's like, but if they lie, then it gets pushed off and later maybe they get caught and they fucking like, don't take the blame and the guy puts up with it anyways. You know what I mean? It's like, there's not like strict accountability. If I catch a bitch lying, it's done. Yeah. That's it. I'm fucking yep. I'll never fucking be serious with her. If I, if I like, cause I stress it, you know what I mean? So like, there's a girl I was dating and I hooked her up to a lie detector She fell out through her ass out fucking out. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it's gotta be, man. Yeah, and, 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 and here's the ones that you have to be fucking very weary of. And I gotta go after this. Yeah. yeah. Be weary of the person that never gives you any fucking bad news. Everybody's done bad shit. So mm. if you've been dating a girl for three months and she's never answered a question that you didn't want to hear the answer to, if every fucking answer that she's given you to every question that you've asked is something that you want to hear, be fucking weary of that girl. Because there's always something they're fucking embarrassed about. Mm. You know, and I start off like when I first meet a girl, the first thing I ask her is like, how many guys you fuck. Not because I want to get the actual number, because she's gonna lie. Right. I want to suss out her lie. I want to see like if she's telling me some super low number, how dumb she thinks I am. <laughs> number two, like how long <laughs> she can keep this fucking lie up. Number three, like what sort of fucking charade? You know what I mean? Like there's all these things I'm trying to figure out about it. 
Or occasionally this girl just spit out like, oh, I'll fuck 70 guys and I'll fuck, you know, 43 people. Like, you should, occasionally they'll throw out a number. And when they throw out a number like that, it's like at least, okay, like we've got a fucking baseline, baseline. trust yeah. that we can build off of. Because she's not going to tell me she's fucked 173 guys and then lie about some petty shit after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So when they start telling you things that they, you know, like, oh, how many, how many guys you fucked this month? And they say like, six. Like, that's not a number you want to hear. That's probably maybe not a girl that you necessarily want to date. <laughs> yeah. At least you can trust her. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you ask. You ask for the body count. I always ask. I ask all the hard questions. What? The hard questions are where you really get information. I don't okay. Fuck where she's you from. test them. That's smart. What What is the automat? What is that disqualifying number for you? I honestly, I don't really have one. As long as she hasn't like fucked a bunch of my friends. Okay. Okay. Run into a lot, or she's been like really sloppy about it. Like, she's not had like trains wrong, you know what I mean? Okay, I, I try not to have a number that I'll disqualify because to me, the honesty is the most important thing. So, okay. I don't really want to like punish her out of the gates if she just like busts out with a high number and she's like keeps it real. Now, there's levels to girlfriends though. Like, is this like for a main chick? Is this for a side chick? Is this for, or, or is this just like the, the general rule of any girl you're going to associate with that can come to the house and hang out with you? Oh, well, I mean, the girls that I'll fuck are much different than, like, the girls, you know, like, I'll fuck a chick that's, you know, had a Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. Where it's like, I should get a fucking yeah. 500 guy. But you mean a girl that you're, like, keeping a rotation that you see periodically, she goes on trips with you, so like that. Like, so you're like, gonna... My baseline for, like, girls that I won't fuck will be, like, you know, chicks in porn, try not to fuck strippers. So those are, like, ones that, like... Trying to f even fuck, right? Okay. It's like, <laughs> yeah, like I try to even just like stick my dick in that, right? Don't, Dad, don't fuck with you, hoes. Like, I try not to, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't even care. Like, I, you know, like it's it's not like I'm like talking shit. It's just to me that's a little, it's just a bit of a turnoff. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And I also, you know, so I don't know. I mean, I like. Yeah, not even, it's like, you yeah, know, your standards. Nah, bro, I, dude, like, your standards, like, yeah. You guys don't like the fucking Asian bitches, you know? Yeah, yeah, nah, bro, like, dude, dude, don't apologize, but like, dude, yeah. strippers and, and OnlyFans chicks are some of the worst chicks, bro, so I don't even I knock you. I to be a hypocrite. Yeah. Because you know I, mean? I have, like, like thousands of yeah, chicks. Yeah, 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 yeah. For me, like, really hold against them. Anyway, so. Um, yeah, go ahead. I would say for dating, you know, it's a pretty low bar. Okay. You know, I kind of just like want trust and like respect and like, you know, don't be, you know, make me look stupid. Okay. But for like monogamy, that's a fucking high bar. Okay. That's All right. A lot of shit. You better have like passed the motherfucking lie detector test. I better have like fucking checked out your back. So you're okay with being monogamous to one girl? It's a possibility. It's not something that I go looking for, and I never really like enter the relationship with that. It's like, listen, I'm I can fuck whoever the fuck I want to fuck, you know. I, I can do whatever I want to do, and then sometimes I just don't choose to do it, and I won't choose to do it for like a year, or maybe mm -hmm. I won't choose to do it for a year and a half, or like, you know. And then eventually I get to a place where it's like, if I haven't fucked another girl for a year, then it's kind of like we're assumed to be in a monogamous relationship. Probably not going to just go like haul off and fuck some bartender randomly. You know what I mean? So it's like I get to a certain place, and then it's like to me. It's more important to not like hurt the girl's feelings than it is to get some straight pussy. Okay, but it's your choice. Yeah, I, I like how it's like yeah. your choice. Yeah. And, and the other thing too that I really respect about you, and I adopt this as well, is I'm very honest with girls too. Like for me personally, I'm never gonna be monogamous, and I tell girls that I'm, you're always gonna have to share me. That's just how it is, you know. Well, that's a good way to start anyway. Yeah. I mean, if you decide yeah. to choose that you just don't want to fuck any other girls, then that's then now you're making a sacrifice. You know what I'm saying? Like you're, you know, you're showing this girl that you really, really fucking, you know, feel differently about her, whatever. But like, 
if that's an expectation, then it's something that's like unnecessarily taken for granted. Because like monogamy is not something that should be expected out of a fucking like, you know, elite guy. It yeah. Should not be because it's not a normal thing, mm -hmm. right? If it ends up there, then it ends up there. But that's like the highest thing. You yeah. Can, you know, no guy wants to be monogamous. Me and you both know that, Dan. Really, like, come it's on. not really a realistic thing. Yeah. You know what I mean, but like. I don't know, man, like fucking strange shit happens, you know, like in my life, I will say like every like five to 10 years, like I wouldn't have predicted that I would have been here, you know, yeah. 20 years ago, I wouldn't have, you know, so there's like a lot of things. You like, never know. Yeah. You never really fucking know. So I don't really say no to anything other than like, I probably would never get married because there's really just like hardly any upside there. Facts. We agree. You have kids, but like to me, you know, here's the thing that I've seen about marriage. And this, I really got to end on this one. Yeah, yeah. Is I feel like it traps people. You yeah. know what I mean? I feel like it fucks up more relationships than it helps. Because there's always going to be somebody in there that wants it more, right? And so it's like when you trap the person that doesn't want it as much, they really feel trapped. And then the person that's been like really busting their ass to make the relationship work feels like they can fucking not do as much. And then that makes the other person, you know what I mean? It's like this whole cycle. And, it, and, and these snowball effects can go in both directions, right? Like, you could get more attracted to somebody, you know, your relationship can improve and all this stuff. But like when it starts deteriorating and you're trapped, it really goes fucking like haywire fast, right? Like, cause when like the other person starts acting bad and you feel fucking trapped and you know what I mean? It's like, the spiral. It, it gets, it gets like exponentially worse. Cause like if somebody starts acting shitty in a relationship and you're in it and you're not married, just fucking take a walk, go fuck somebody else. But like, you know, just don't hang out with them as much. When you're married, and you gotta ask the government for permission. You gotta bring lawyers in. It's this whole fucking process. Yep, right? girls incentivized to take your money. All this shit. All this shit, and that's and that's the last thing I want to touch on is like, when you end up breaking up or getting divorced or whatever. Like my buddy, he had no prenup, and so Fuck. he just gave his girl. You know, he had no, or sorry, he had a prenup that basically said that she got nothing. Okay. So, so like, sorry, I, I misspoke. He had a prenup that said she got nothing. Okay. And he ended up giving her you know, millions of dollars and all this shit. And so she went from, you know, she would have expected half to now being appreciative, a very appreciative of a lot less. And the only difference was, you know, he specifically said, you get nothing. So they went into the agreement, her expecting nothing. And that's another thing is like expectations. Yeah. You know, you set them low and then you fucking over deliver as Bam. opposed to like the other way around. Yep. Well said. I got one last question for you, Dan. Obviously, you know, very successful with women, you understand the game. What precautions do you take to protect yourself? Obviously, you have money, you have status. Women are cloud chasers. False allegations are real. We see what's going on with our brother Andrew here and Tristan. Uh, it's a real thing nowadays. How do you protect yourself? Cameras in every bedroom. Bam. So, you know, that with the audio. Um, and then... NDAs? Yeah, I have NDAs, but they don't really protect you. You know, some chick wants to accuse you. And the girls know you're recording everything, I'm assuming. Yeah. Yep. So it's like, and I also have a very like different approach to these women because I want women to come to me. Yeah. I'm not chasing them. So the moment they say no, or the moment they're not into it, it's like... Kick them out, right? Oh. Yeah. Not, I mean, not even like in a mad way. It's like, oh, you don't, okay, you don't want to fuck out. It's not like never begging, never like, oh, come on, baby. None of that bullshit. Right. If she ever says no, she doesn't want. She doesn't really want to fuck me. I got a bunch to do. I yep. don't care. Like, and I don't want to have sex with a chick that doesn't really want to fuck me. Exactly. So because of that dynamic, I always go into it with that dynamic. It's like if I even sense that the chick's not super into it, I'm done. You can leave. 
fucking like it stops cold right then. It's like if I don't, if she doesn't suck my dick, I'm done. Like it's, it's you know it's just like that's just my preference. You know? No, that's how it's got to be, dude. And and I agree with you. I kick girls out of my spot too when they don't want to hook up. I'm just like, okay, you can leave because it's like and it's amazing how they sometimes they'll play that game and be like, oh well, you know, uh, no, let me hang out longer. And you're like, no, 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 you say you don't want to do it. And it's like it's like almost like a game to them. They they want to try to lever sex against you. And then when you're like, no. You got to leave. And they're like, no, 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 I want to stay. It's crazy, bro. You can't start going down that road. Yeah. 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 No, I tell them to get out anyway. It is what it is. Yeah. So, Dan, this was a fire interview, brother. I appreciate it a lot. We both, we both do. Uh, what's next for you and where can they find you? Yeah. Uh, where can they find? What do you mean? Like, in terms of your social Instagram, media handles, website, projects, coming, projects up. coming up. That's my name. You know, Dan was there. And, um, I don't know. I, I feel like we need to figure out a problem of like these guys just not being able to get laid and the fact that like 1% of guys are fucking all the girls. So my next project is gonna try and like figure out a solution to this fucking problem, which is a real problem. That's like the real pandemic that's going on. So Facts. Keep you guys posted on that. No, Sounds absolutely, good. man. You need to come, come to Miami, brother. Yeah, I'll be there. Do something down there. All right. So guys, we'll catch you on the next one, man. Make sure to check him out on everything. Check out his Instagram. You guys will learn how to leverage Instagram to get girls and how powerful social proof really is. We'll catch you guys on the next one. Peace. Peace. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.